As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's a show you'd endorse. Page is singing, of course. And Mikey loves a woman with teeth like a horse. And Todd's getting winky blinky because RTBL is simply irresistible. It's so Podcast I know these hosts fit right on my face. Get us on the space list. And this pod is the reason. This podcast is the show. Cause there's a character limit. Simply irresistible. Damn, girl. You podcast with that ass? Thank you for tuning in to Rants I'm Paige Wesley. Wait, what? I'm Mikey Randolph. And Todd S- Tosser. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And apparently I'm Todd Tosser. And this week, Mikey <laughs> made us watch <laughs> Love, Love and Basketball. basketball. I think I'm going to regret this pick because really? I don't understand basketball and I also don't understand love. So it's two things <laughs> that I don't understand. I'm going to talk about this movie for a second. One, okay. I think the pacing of the first two quarters is off. I disagree, but fine. Yeah. Okay. I wanted more of their high school, not their like childhood. Does that make sense? I mean, high school is the longest portion. What you just described is exactly what we got. Yeah. Uh, that's, a... that, that's the longest quarter <laughs> in the film yeah did you just want them all to be 12 minutes like they are in the nba i played soccer there's two halves okay and also movies have three acts not four quarters it depends modern movie structure actually technically has three acts in the middle and then five because you've got cold opens and tags yeah. whatever uh modern tv now has four acts fuck it well Anyway, I really like the movie. I will be vulnerable. And I had like a similar kind of, like I really understood the, the main guy. I mean, not with his taking it out on the girl, but his self-sabotaging because of his dad's infidelity. Yeah. So like I've lived that. So I really <laughs> connected there. So I'll be talking a lot about like my experience growing up yeah. in this episode, but I dug it. Ooh, see, I really identified with her and differing expectations about the complex nature of femininity and the generational gap between her and her parents. But you know what? It's cool. Dude, that last scene with her and her mom. Yeah. Shit, oh. That was, oh, oh, sobbed so much. Not a dry eye in the house. And, and my mom was never like that to me. She was always much more involved and still is in, in all the shit that I do. But I do think, you know, at the time in the 90s, if you weren't a prissy girl, that was not necessarily an easy route for you. And I very, very much identified with that, with being just different, I guess, if that makes sense. But can I just say, I had gone many years of my life believing I had seen this movie before. You have not seen it? (laughs) As I was talking to Todd earlier before we started recording. Yeah, because she was on time to the call, Mikey. Hmm, I had to put pants on. Thank you. Uh, You know how you like see a movie poster or like the cover of a VHS or something and you've got it like fixed in your brain and then you like 
attach that to a different movie somehow. I have been trying ever since we finished watching this movie earlier. I've been trying to figure out what movie it was that I watched that I thought was this movie. Space Jam. No, all I've been (laughs) able to come up with is that it might be some sort of conflation of white men can't jump and above the rim. (laughs) Where (laughs) somehow in the midst of those two movies, I thought I had seen Love and Basketball. I had not. I will argue that this might be the best film we've ever done on this show from both a writing and an emotional core standpoint. (laughs) I do think they tackle very complex interpersonal issues. Yes. Yeah. Like you said, the conflicts of generational conflicts and femininity is her full story with her family. He's got a full story with his family. Yes. And they have a full story about with them two. Together. Yes. No, I, I feel like this is definitely one of the best written movies we have ever covered on this show now we have not strive to set the bar high that's true we don't usually i was about to say i don't necessarily disagree with you Paige, about this probably being the best movie we've ever done i really enjoyed this movie but i prefer when they're bonkers yeah like this movie was just like a good movie you know what i'm saying yeah no i'm i'm sitting there and i'm like i don't have any jokes i'm just crying and and thinking about (laughs) what it's like to be an adult and tackling the reality of your dreams okay i will (laughs) say I have torn my ACL. Mm. That's why you have a quote unquote bad knee. You've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Did I get a seven day inpatient hospitalization stay because of it? No. You don't play for the Lakers, Mikey. It is unnecessary. (laughs) And also when his mom tells his dad he has cancer, there's like daytime soap opera, dramatic music playing like. It, no, not, I was like, he got cancer too. <laughs> no, I, for a second I was like, did I miss? What? No, she tells her his dad that he his ACL is torn with the daytime soap opera music playing that makes it sound like she's telling him he has cancer. I'm like, it does. It is a sports injury and it is serious, but like he's a, he's gonna live because she's like. He's real bad off. Yeah, it's real bad. Well, it could kill his career. So I, I understand. Well, yeah. <laughs> Especially back then. Like, they've come yeah. a long, long way with ACL surgeries. Like, you can do them minimally invasively now, and it is, like, not as big of a deal as it used to be. It's still a pretty big deal, but you can recover much faster than you could yeah. in, like, the 90s when he had a surgery. And that huge scar you see down his leg later. Yeah, just right down the center. Yeah. My volleyball coach had one on each knee. I have one of those. <laughs> when did you have your surgery, Mikey? 2004? Oh, damn. So you're, like, eight years after this movie. Um, I've had two surgeries on that knee. Oof. Yeah, well, and oddly enough, that's not the bad knee. The other knee robbed a bank. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> super dumb. That's funny. But I liked it a lot. So this was the first time I saw this movie, too, and I really, really dug it. It was funny. Natalie, when I told her I was watching this movie, she was like, I, I remember not liking that movie when I watched it as a what? kid. And then as we watched it together, she was like, I don't think I've ever seen this movie. So I bet she thought it was above the rim, too. Above the rim or white men can't jump. Yeah. Because <laughs> we both like we were fully like in it like i was super sad towards the end of the movie like Ugh. from the scene with uh, her monica and the mom oh. all the way through double or nothing man i was crying the whole time i will say i do think she cheated one-to-one when she took her shirt off okay <laughs> she 100 percent challenges an invalid to a one-on-one match yeah and he still beats her He's not an invalid. He was. He had surgery like six weeks before no, that. It's yeah. way after that. No, it's it's not way after He's that. He's lifting with those weights on that one knee. That's a lot for an ACL surgery. You're not even supposed to do that lift until you're like healed. It's four and a half months. It actually says in the movie it's it's four and a half.
half months, but it's only been like she's only been back for a month and some change. Okay. I also think she's one of the prettiest uh, protagonists we've had. Oh yeah, and when they're trying to well, like, she we she's been our protagonist before because she was. We've done another movie with Sonat Lathan in it. We did something new with Crystal. Yeah, I like sporty her. Okay. I mean, honestly, yeah, when she was talking about how she's not pretty or whatever, and they were like having to convince her that she was beautiful, I was like, you know you're beautiful. Like, they pulled a <laughs> Sandy B right here in this movie. <laughs> she's like, am I pretty? And I'm like, yeah. You're freaking gorgeous. <laughs> you were pretty yesterday before they dressed you up. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When you're rocking sweats and a t shirt, like balling out, like you're hot. You've always been hot. You'll be hot no matter what you are or are not wearing. And hot to this day. I looked at what oh. she looks at right now and she looks amazing. I'm sure she's yeah. still gorgeous. Yeah. She has a classy like white dress on. He, the main character. I forget. I forget everybody's names. Monica oh. is her name. His name is Q. Omar Epps. Yeah. Q. Yeah. Q. Yeah. Q is dressed like the silver surfer. Hang on. We can't call him Q because then we're going to get like some deep QAnon conspiracy bullshit thing. And we no, cannot be involved it. in that. But also we can't talk about the Silver Surfer. Like we got to wait until we get to it. Okay. Okay. Fine. Wait till we get to it. I like the movie. It's hard to make jokes because it was very serious <laughs> and not like an over the top way, like a really nice paced way. And like, you know, realistic issues, realistic issues that people actually talk about and have like real conversations about. Yes. Yeah. I felt like even though we're following these kids, like from when they're kid ass kids to like little after college, you know, like I think it's mm -hmm. like a year to two years after college. And then of course the end scene is like a jump of a few years too. Right. So right, like right. we're following them like as their adolescence and growing up and stuff. But we're still like they they talk about a lot of adult sort of issues and have a lot of adult conversations, which I thought was very uncommon for me when I was in college. Right. Yeah. They handled being like that age way better than I did. This I don't know. He did cheat on her just to like prove a point, which is not not a very mature, a very college guy thing to do. I mean, I'm not defending him because that was a shitty move, but he took someone to Burger King. Yeah. Well, we we don't know all what happened, but that's true. That's true. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's the move that all young guys play, right? Which is like, I don't want to break up with her. I'm just going to act shitty until she breaks up with me. I mean, it's an unhealthy way to do any of that, but I think that's a common thing that has happened. But yeah, for like immature. Yeah, it, it's definitely a sign of immaturity, I would say. I definitely did that once in high school, and I feel bad about it still. I have never done that. Well, good, because I honestly always thought it was like a shitty guy thing to do. I thought so, too. Yeah. Have you ever done that, Mikey? A hundred percent. I still, Leslie, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but you could do better and did good good for leslie i'm also sorry leslie <laughs> for making you break up with todd and <laughs> it's fine i dated her sister the next year oh, <laughs> i really just hope tyra banks found love like i was very concerned for her at the end of this movie i like, was very i was like tyra banks is in this and then i remember the one time i met tyra banks how did you meet hang on hey how did you meet tyra banks she came into the store where i worked with a shockingly age-appropriate date, is nice. what I will say. Okay. And they were incredibly nice, nice and very kind. And then as they left, one of the other people working with me was like, they were totally on Molly. And I was like, oh, oh okay, that that's sense. probably why yeah. they were nice. So when you say they were being nice, <laughs> you mean they couldn't stop touching you and everyone else involved there? They could, it couldn't have been very strong, Molly, because they, they passed for pretty normal but they were amazed by everything in the store <laughs> holy shit you can scramble eggs with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Maybe it was just weed, to be honest. Like, maybe it was just good weed, yeah. and it wasn't Molly. But they were very amazed by, like, it's a spoon. And you're like, yeah, Tyra. Or maybe they're just super nice and easily impressed. I don't know. That could be, too. Uh, I, I have heard horror stories from people that worked with Tyra. And so when I met her and she was just like, whoa, a skillet. I was like, man, Tyra's kind of cool. <laughs> they were like, No. I don't think she is. I like how impressed by daily life Tyra Banks is. <laughs> but the, and then as they left the store, they like shook our hands and were like, thank you so much. <laughs> left and I was like, what? And for a hot second, I was like, is she hoping that we tell the media about this so people don't hear the mean stories about her? Like, <laughs> what happened? I do love that they walked through Sur La Table like it was the best magic show they've ever been to. Like, <laughs> they were oh very my into God, it. a spoon? I mean, it does sound like a Cirque du Soleil like, act. It does, you're yeah, right. Yeah, it, it does. And they were, they, they were arm in arm and like never left each other's side. Where they like clung to each other and were just like, <gasps> cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a weird day. <laughs> well, I mean, I bet the day that Omar Epps broke up with her because he was going to marry his neighbor was also a weird day for her. But let's get into the movie so we can get to that. Let's do it. Uh, so this movie opens. Uh, it breaks the movie up into quarters, much like a game, which I actually really love. I think that's really smart. Or a dollar. Or a dollar. And it, then it gives dates like years for each yeah. of the sections yes. of the movie so the first quarter is 1981 mikey i knew that no you didn't well and this happened beforehand but mikey fully admitted that he forgot it took place during the 80s yeah it just it wasn't like back to the future like was like thrown at your face every time it was just like people yeah it talking. was it was subtle and well done <laughs> yeah i need that shit like thrown like there's huey lewis in the news right there <laughs> you needed people to be like radical domino's yeah. pizza I'm going to go to the arcade. Stop it, Noid. <laughs> the, mo the most 80s it gets is like the prom. And I that's my favorite. That's not even the eight. Well, I guess it's 88, 89. It is. It's late, late 80s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are so mean to me today. I picked the movie. And honestly, Mikey, this is by far your best pick. Coming off of my worst pick. Yeah. I don't pick any <laughs> of the movies I actually like for the podcast. Oh, my God. I'm just realizing now, as we're recording this, the last pick has not come out yet. It has not. Like, it, the episode hasn't come out. And I was like, oh, I screamed through that whole episode. You do. Honestly, we go hard at Vince Vaughn. I, I mean. <laughs> we all but attack Vince Vaughn personally. Well, he shouldn't treat a Jennifer Aniston like that. <laughs> I mean, it's a movie. We don't need to, like, right. frame him for murder. But. We could though call will arnett let's do it <laughs> anyway back to 1981 we are close on a family moving into a new house and we cut to the next store the house next door where there's a basketball they have like a basketball hoop in their backyard and it's kind of open there's not really a fence between the two houses and so we see the kids playing basketball and another kid walks up to join them initially they think it's another boy but she removes her hat revealing she's a girl and they're like you can't play with us because you can't ball and she's like i can ball better than you and she can indeed ball. Yeah. And in fact, better than them. Yeah. Until she gets shoved through a hedge and her face gets all scratched up. He scars her for love. Oh, he does with his love. Mm -hmm. But I, this is going to sound weird, but I love that they incorporated that because that scars in her face the whole movie. Well, it's because she actually has a scar there. Oh, So they really? add that scene 
because she actually has a scar. Yeah. No shit. That's awesome. Okay. Found it in fun facts. Because I, yes. I literally had the thought, man, imagine having to sit in makeup for at least an hour every day to get that scar put on. Nope. It's a real scar. <laughs> and God did it. God gets credit as a makeup artist on this film. <laughs> anyway, so she plays with them, but she falls and gets scratched. She doesn't fall. She gets shoved. Like She gets shoved through a bush. Yeah. Q yeah. pushes her because she's about to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we cut to her house where her mom, the wonderful Alfre Woodard, killing it all the time. She's so great. The guy who plays her dad is a, oh, hey, it's that guy for me, too. I don't know his name, but yeah, he's great. I couldn't think of where I'd seen him. I, I, I looked up a bunch of people that were in this because this movie is a who's who of people who became famous later. But like, yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. Anyway, so her mom is kind of dressing her wounds and she makes this remark that you need to stop running around with the boys, essentially. And seems to be disapproving of her choice to play sports and run around with the boys as opposed to her sister, who seems to be more femme presenting, I would say. Yeah, I would say that she's definitely, I don't even know if these terms are appropriate anymore, so forgive me, but Monica is more tomboyish. And I mean, that would have been the, the term at the time. I don't know if people still use tomboy. I definitely was also as a child, so I identified with her a lot. Yeah, I honestly... I knew a lot of girls that would probably have referred to themselves as tomboys back in the day because uh, they were the people we played with growing up. Yeah. And it does. We do get like a brief shot of her where she almost has this facial expression that looks like she's kind of proud of the scrapes where she's just like, but yeah, but I played and I was better. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm fine getting these. Now, interesting note, the actress that plays uh, young Monica is uh, Kylie Pratt who goes on to be like a who's who of the Disney Channel back in the day. Oh, really? So if you grew up with Disney Channel, like right after me, because she has like Proud Family, she's on Smart Guy, a bunch of other stuff. She ends up getting a ton of work after this movie for a while. Um, like I said, it's a who's who of people who get famous later. So we cut over to the house next door and Q, the younger boy, Quincy. Yeah is making her an I'm sorry card and his dad comes home. So his dad is Dennis Haysbert of Allstate Insurance fame and also like <laughs> acting fame. Yeah, he's done a bunch of stuff Mo too. More, yeah. Most recently Allstate Insurance and it sticks in my brain because one time in college we had a roommate who dated a dumb girl. This is not, <laughs> just this girl specifically made bad choices and then also one time she was at our house and she screamed at the television and we were like, what is happening? And she was like, I'm just mad that Morgan Freeman's like already super rich, but still needs to fucking sell insurance. We were like, she thought this guy was Morgan Freeman. Yes. And we we're what? like, that's not Morgan oh, Freeman. That's... Like they don't even look alike. What are you talking about? And this like, guy's what? like 30 years younger than Morgan Freeman. And they don't even remotely look alike. No, I know. <laughs> like, no, there's no way to confuse it. We were just like, and she would not believe us that it was not Morgan Freeman. We tried to convince her for hours. Well, I know why you use the qualifier of dumb when you described her. Exactly. Yeah. And racist because like she can't tell the difference. Yeah. I don't want to go there, but you're probably right. No, she fully was. Yeah. That Allstate commercial is burned into the front row of my brain as we were like trying to show her multiple Allstate commercials versus Morgan Freeman movies. And she just like, she's like, yeah, they're the same guy. And we're like, are you blind? I, I don't understand. <laughs> what is happening? So. We find out that Dennis Haysbert, Quincy's dad, plays for the Clippers at the time. So like in, in this quarter of the movie, currently playing for the Clippers. Yes. And his mom has purchased 
a store-bought cake and then refrosted it. Which is like, I watch a TikTok account that does that all the time, but I had never <laughs> seen somebody do it in a movie. And I was just like, oh, the refrosting tip. Yeah. Uh, but she essentially refrosts the store-bought cake and passes it off as her own, which is hilarious. I High marks. Love it. Yeah. I love that her husband, Quincy's dad, calls it out. He's like, yeah, she did this to me when we first started dating. I thought she could actually cook. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And then he immediately leaves to be like, oh, I've got a meeting with business folks. And this is going to be something that he does throughout the movie where he's got meetings at like weird times where it's like at night or late after something. And I immediately got the sense that he was cheating on her just because of that. So when it's revealed later that that's probably what was happening, I was like... Yeah, I didn't think that in this scene, but only because it's sort of like midday, it looks like. Because he's writing the I'm sorry note, and I figured it was like maybe an hour after he pushed her or whatever. So I was like, I mean, he's a professional basketball player who knows he's aging out because he even says in the scene that he only has like two more seasons or whatever. So I was like, I don't know, maybe he's talking to someone at sports center about getting a job as an anchor or something like that. Like something because at that time of day, that meeting sort of makes sense later when he like goes after, I think it's the high school basketball game where he like, and he's gone past 1am. I was like, Oh, he definitely cheated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's worse is that when he's like explaining cheating to his son, they're like, they come to your hotel room. I'm like, that's not what you've been doing. You like left your house in the middle yeah, of the night. Yeah, he's been going to their hotel room. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> he's not wrong. Like what he describes in that scene where he's talking about it definitely happens. Yeah. But he also was definitely leaving family functions to go cheat. So we cut over to next door, Monica's house where Q's mom has brought that cake over, passes it off as her own. Yeah. And basically says that they moved back to L.A. into this neighborhood about five years ago after Zeke, uh, Q's dad, was traded back to the Clippers. And she and Alfre Woodard's character kind of have this moment of like, oh, you cook? I cook all the time. And this is where we find out that Alfre Woodard may have wanted to be a caterer as one of her goals in life. But she has children and so her goals in life changed well and she even says in the scene she's like and maybe when they grow up i'll get back into that you know yeah which i get you know yeah absolutely so quincy um kind of helps them like carry the cake into the kitchen with monica and this is where they have that conversation of like well how come you can play basketball i just can yeah like is your dad play basketball no he works at a bank do you know kung fu do you know kung fu my dad plays for the clippers uh i'm gonna be number 32 like magic which is i actually really like her relationship with looking up to magic in this movie because i think it's very indicative of a girl who is good at something and wants to do something that is male dominated that they still have to find a role model somehow and that's who she chooses so i kind of really identified with that well yeah because it's before the WNBA. it is before the WNBA. yeah i mean we see like probably one of the inaugural WNBA games yeah. at the end of this movie so yeah i mean the reason she as a kid is like i want to be the first female nba player is because there was no option to play pro for her in the u.s which is yeah. why her and a bunch of her college teammates end up in Spain and Italy and all that yeah. shit because that's where they could go play pro. Yeah, there were very few female comedians growing up. Uh, so a lot of my favorite ones have been men because that was the option. I didn't really have like a role model. <laughs> you didn't watch Frasier? 
<laughs> like, a, <laughs> like, a, like a celebrity like i don't know like i didn't have like i didn't see a female comic live until i was one that doesn't, doesn't surprise me when did you first do a stand-up show though i was 25 2012 shit yeah so i mean like there were others out but it was still probably sort of rare i'd imagine yeah and i'd been to a number of comedy shows before like it's not like i'd never been to a comedy show but like yeah, didn't didn't see another one until I was like there was another one on my first show. So like that was the first time, but that was an open mic. So Who is your poster in your room, Todd? I didn't have a bedroom, so I slept in the front room on the couch. You had a picture of a bedroom like man. This is <laughs> <laughs> I just got your Fraser joke. I'm an idiot. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you just did you Google Frasier and be yeah. like, oh, Frasier? Oh, my like- God, Mikey. <laughs> you idiot. Paige, who was your role model? Like, who was your male comedian? Oh, Mike Birbiglia. It was the first Fuck. one I ever saw. Yeah. One of the first albums I ever had. Yeah. God, yeah. Do you guys remember Command and Conquer? <laughs> yeah, like Red Alert. Yeah. yeah. Kane, I think, was my role model. <laughs> Is that Tim Curry? No, no. That's, oh, okay. That's, that's Red Alert. So I'm about regular Command and Conquer. He was the uh, commander of the Brotherhood of Nod. Okay. I don't know what any of this is, but I'm happy for S- you. Seven people out there like really loving that this joke exists. And everyone else is like, <laughs> fucking nerd! Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, you know, my own organization of, you know, evil. That was before military extremism was like really bad. All right. Back before it was bad during the first desert storm. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was cool. <laughs> I'm just grateful that Tarzan was there during that first desert storm to keep us all safe and hurt his <laughs> yeah, knees. Keep us all safe and hurt his knees. <laughs> Speaking of knees, let's get back to this movie. Yeah. So we cut back to Monica's house later. She's getting ready for the first day of school the next day. Her sister's combing her hair out and her mom has found her a dress for the first day of school and notes that her box of dresses would, was hidden in the garage under the rags and the trash. So she was clearly trying to like avoid wearing dresses yeah been there so uh she also says the boy next door will take you to school tomorrow so you know somebody so we cut to later that night he is awakened by the sound of his parents in the next room and gets up to go closer to the radio to not hear them yeah because they're like getting down they're getting down And as he does, as he gets close to the radio, he sees through into Monica's window while they're combing her hair out that night. So the next morning, he's waiting for her and she's got her hair done. She's in a dress. They both carry basketballs with them to school, which I thought was very fun. And they get their bike set up and he's like, hey, do you want to be my girl? Well, what do I have to do? And basically he says that they have to kiss for five seconds. So they go around the side of the house. They kiss and he counts it down. I love that he's counting up. I love that so much. Which was very cute. Yeah, it was really funny. And then he's like, well, then you got to ride on my bike. And she's like, don't tell me what to do. I don't have to do what you say. And he's like, well, then I guess we're breaking up then, which is the most kid relationship thing ever. It was very, very funny. Yeah, it was probably both their first kiss. And then their yeah. immediate first breakup, like immediate. <laughs> and and yeah. then they fight each other on the lawn, which is pretty. And this starts the pattern of yeah. he's not good at breakups. No, he is bad at breakups. It starts here. Yeah, <laughs> she's got him. She's got him pinned on the lawn, and it's just like, "Would you, big head?" And I'm like. Yes. Yeah, the Clippers are the worst team in the NBA. I was like, oh, I mean, to be fair, they new yeah. sports. I would know that this is a sick burn. They well, they had like a mini resurgence a couple years ago. But other than that, 
the Clippers have gone through periods of being not great and then being slightly better than not great. <laughs> so like, you know. <laughs> Me too, Clippers. And then occasionally they have bright spots. Like any team. Every team is kind of like that. Yeah. Are you women explaining men's basketball to me? Someone's got to explain it to us, Mikey. I don't watch sports. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about how this movie compares to another like sports rom-com like Wimbledon. And I think the thing that makes this movie, the sports parts of this movie more palatable for me is that the scoring in basketball is so much easier. <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> it went in the basket or it didn't. <laughs> that brings up a, a good point that the sports scenes are not used as like, oh, she has to win this championship game or he has to do perform like this. They are used to drive the emotional story of yeah. like, yes. she notices her mom's not there or he breaks his leg or and catches cancer. Oh, and then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or she is upset with herself for letting her emotions get the better of her right like the games themselves aren't as important and it's like their emotional story which i think is a really smart way to do because wimbledon goes a little too hard in the tennis yeah and i love the other parts of that movie but in this movie i don't have the same disconnect between the sports scenes and the regular scenes because of the emotional center like mikey said Mm -hmm. so after their lawn fight we get into the second quarter which is 1988 And we open on a high school women's basketball game. And she is playing number 32, the same number as Magic. And he's in his varsity jacket, chilling at her game, watching the game. Yeah. And she is aggressive in this game. She's getting angry. She's fouling. And so they pull her off the court and make her ride the bench for the rest of the game. Well, she gets a technical. Like, if if you get two technicals, you're out. So if that was her second, she would have had to. I don't know if that was the second, but the coach does bench her. Yeah, the coach benches her. And I think it's not her second and the coach's choice just because of how she reacts later where she wants someone to talk to the coach. But I wonder if it's like in soccer where if you get a red card in most leagues, you can't play the next game either. So I wonder if it's like that sort of thing in basketball. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. Or maybe they're just pissing her for getting technical. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, that does sort of give the other team a chance to get points on you. So yeah. So she is we cut back to her house after and she's upset because the coach from UCLA was there and she was on the bench. So she feels like she's not getting the chance to get scouted and recruited because they're not seeing her play because her fouls are keeping her on the bench. Yeah. And her mom basically tries to be like, well, it's just a game. It's just basketball. I don't know why you care. You should do other things. You've got other stuff going for you. Maybe you'll grow out of this tomboy thing is what she says. And she's like, I don't want your life. (laughs) I don't want your life. Uh, But also she's like, no, I'm good at this. This is what I want to do. We do catch a slight shot as she's looking out of the kitchen window where she does see Q making out with another girl. Yeah. Which, by the way, that girl is Char Jackson, former wife of Kevin (laughs) Federline, but also an actress that has been in many movies, including Good Burger, because this is a who's who of who gets famous later. That's wild. I didn't realize that she was married to Federline at some point. So... She was pregnant with Kevin Federline's kids. She has a daughter and a son with him. So they had a baby and then she was pregnant with their second baby when he left her to marry Britney Spears. Oh, the T. He did her wrong. Oh, wow. Okay. But I mean, him and Britney are still together going strong. So, I mean, I mean, obviously that was the right call. Very much. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. But we cut over to Q making out with Char Jackson. 
where he basically says that he can't bring her inside to meet his mom because his mom doesn't want girls in the house. Yeah. So we cut to his basketball game the next day and he's playing really well and she's watching his game just like he watched hers. And Gabrielle Union sidles up beside her to be like, hey, has he asked anybody to the dance yet? Could you give him this note for me? And I would like to note that Gabrielle Union looks the same age today as she does in this movie. I know. That woman in Paul Rudd Central, homegirl does not age. She is also the reason why I think Beyonce is older than she's letting on because Gabrielle Union is like, oh yeah, Beyonce and I were teenagers at like the same time and Gabrielle Union is in her like mid to late 40s and looks 20, but like, you know, and is currently married to or was, I think still is married to Dwayne Wade, a professional basketball player. I literally just Googled how old is Beyonce really? <laughs> and it says, I mean, the Google answer is like 40 years old. But then yeah. the uh, next immediate thing is Beyonce's age subject to scrutiny. <laughs> yep. And again, Beyonce also ageless queen. I know. Looks amazing. Uh, yeah. If you told me she was 35 or 40 or 52, I'd be like, yes, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Uh, like, good for her. Yeah, absolutely. On all of those. Yeah. But yeah, Gabrielle Union's the one that's like, yeah, we hung out as teenagers. And Gabrielle Union is much older than Beyonce claims to be, although she still looks the same. But anyway. Yeah, Gabrielle Union is 49 this year. Yeah, that's what it is. So, Doesn't yeah. look it. No. Looks amazing. She looks just like the Gabrielle Union in this movie. Yes, exactly. And the Gabrielle Union and She's All That. This was, by the way, this like few years when this came out and She's All That came out and a couple of things came out are like, the year of Gabrielle Union. The years of Gabrielle Union. Yeah. So she's like thirsting on cue yeah. from the, the sidelines. And Monica is like, Ugh, what is this? But it's kind of that thing of like where you're close to someone and you've never nece you haven't necessarily thought of them in that way, or at least you don't admit to thinking of someone in that way. And then someone else comes up and is like, hey, and you're like, oh, I guess I have to admit to myself that I feel this way. Yeah, I definitely could see how growing up with someone because they were next door neighbors from like the time mm -hmm. they were, I don't know, nine, like really yeah. young. You know, I could see them sort of having like a brother sister sort of relationship up until this point. When I think we see that a little bit later. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think she necessarily sees Q like that just yet. But I do think this is like, oh, wait, I guess he is super fucking hot. Well, I don't think they see each other like that until prom. Well, I don't think he sees her that way until prom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think she does. She, yeah. Her scene is probably like right now. Yes. I think yeah. so too. Well, and she does say later. So she moves there at 11. Oh, is it 11? Okay. Oh, she does say she's been in love with him since she was 11. She's been in love with him since she was 11. Oh, uh, but that she could be retconning. I think maybe a little bit, but I think there's definitely a not interpreting that closeness in that way, even though the groundwork has already been laid. Does yeah. that make sense? Where it's like, it's not that you did not feel things for that person. It's that you did not admit that you felt things for that person. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we're dealing with. I think that's fair. Yeah. So they win that game. His dad is there with a photographer and people are like, hey, what school are you going to? Because he's like an NBA player's son who potentially is poised to be in the NBA himself. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they're going to hold a press conference for where he's going to go to school. So they're not telling anybody. And his dad signs an autograph for another student. So we cut to Monica approaches him and she's like, hey, wait a hoop. Can you give me a ride home? And he just says, your legs broke. And she's like, I'll be at your car. <laughs> I did love that. Like, she's not going to take his shit. And I like that he sort of like bats it back at her. He's like, can I at least get a please? And she's like, please. 
as she's like yes. leaving the, <laughs> she's like walking out of the gym. I love that. Yep. Uh, so we cut to them driving home and she gives him Gabrielle Union's note or she's about to. She reads it to yeah, him. I love that. I like this scene, too. Now, here's here's what I will say. Gabrielle Union's character is a teenager. So maybe there's some not so great boundaries when we think about sexuality here. But I would say if this note was coming from an adult, it gets a little slut shamey when they're just like, how dare she? And I'm like, tell you what she wants. Cause like, I mean, she's just being forthright with it. You can say yes or no. Yeah, I'll be honest with you as a really stupid guy. If someone wrote like a very ex- like not explicit, but like a very like detailed note, direct, direct. Yes. Good. A very yes. direct note, like a DM to you. Yes. No, no, please don't do this. <laughs> Do this for Mikey. I don't need this. I'm very taken. This is finally happening for me. You hear Todd wants a DM, a very direct message. I do not. I do not. But it would make it very easy for me to be like, oh, this person is into me. And like, yeah, I I don't know any guy who's like, I don't like women when they're direct. High school Mikey would be scared to death if someone was like, (laughs) if you ask me out, I will have sex. I'd be like, oh, my God. That is basically what the note says. Where It's basically just like, cue. I think you're fine. If you take me to spring dance, you can hit it. That's basically the note. I'd be like, Todd, this girl wants to murder me or something. Look at this note. (laughs) Well, and the one thing that I do like that Monica points out is she's just like, it doesn't say, I think you're a nice guy and I want to get to know you. Like, I, I don't, she doesn't really know you well. She doesn't seem to be interested in you as a person so much as only interested in you sexually. And she's being very upfront about that. It does kind of flip that cliche of usually it's guys hitting on like the friend who's a girl like this. Yes. Like, you're really pretty. I want to have sex. With you. Yeah. So it's like kind of, I, it's kind of a unique movie like that, which I like. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think on some level they, they do that because they want to point out that Q, because his dad's probably sort of famous, at least locally, because he plays for the mm-hmm. pro team locally. But he's also destined for the pros. And it seems like everyone knows that. And his mom is really reinforcing the fact that when women look at him, they're going to see dollar signs. And yeah. I think that that's because that's sort of her relationship with his father. Well, I think it's also a reality of who he is. I agree. That, and people yeah. who are in that situation, like LeBron James, when he was in high school, probably had to deal with this kind of thing too, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know anything specifically, so I'm not saying anything, but like, I'm sure that that's a reality of people who are destined for this sort of thing. Yeah. When I played uh, second string linebacker, <laughs> this was my reality in high school. I bet, Mikey. I bet it was. I do think they paint a really interesting juxtaposition in the fourth quarter of this movie where he's gone his entire life being supported and held up and in a way treated exceptionally because of who he is and then come fourth quarter where he's thrust into a world where he's not hot shit and has to kind of grapple with that. I like that too, that the movie really kind of plays with that as well because the reality is she does not, Monica doesn't have all the benefits that he has to do the same thing that he wants to do. And so it does kind of play their stories against each other. Well, yeah, it's like acting. Like, like it's like if your dad's a famous actor, you're way more likely to. Yeah. Yeah, I love Colin Hanks, but would he make it as an actor if his dad wasn't Tom Hanks? I don't know. He might. Did you see Fargo? (laughs) He was really good in Fargo. Listen, I love Colin Hanks. Like, I really do. But are there a lot of people of that level who don't make it? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are a lot of, and acting is just one of those things and professional sports probably is on some level too. Like you have to be a certain level of good to make it, but it's also a lot of luck. Who you know and a lot of luck. Yeah. But I also love that this movie tackles what if your dream doesn't turn out, which no, most movies don't. And I love that it tackles that too, of just like, what if your dreams have to change? Here's yeah. what I love about that specifically, Paige. Her dream doesn't exist when she's a child. Yeah. But her dream sort of comes true in this movie. And his dream yeah. does too, you could say. I don't think it comes true in the way that he expected it to, but he does get to play professionally. But I love that her dream is like something that was not really open to her until... Well, even apart from just her and him. So, because we see him re-examine his dreams with where his life has ended up and yeah. decide that he wants different things. And we also, in her conversation with her mom, hear her mom echo the same sentiment of like, things did not turn out the way I wanted, but I adjusted my dreams and I have different goals now and it's okay to do that. So like, I think not a ton of movies tackle that. Usually most people just make it <laughs> in movies. Yeah. So yeah, I love that this movie does that. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's very clear in this car ride that she is jealous, jealous. Yeah, she's she's a little standoffish because she is jealous. And he does say, I didn't know that you cared so much. Yeah. And then he asks her, like, well, who are you going to the dance with? And he says, Spalding. And I was like, who's Spalding? And then she like looks at the ball. Oh, Spalding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spalding. <laughs> Do you not remember that joke, Mikey? Like, how long have you watched this movie for this? Two hours. <laughs> so he's like, who are you going to the dance with? And he confronts her about like, well, you're not getting recruited because of your temper, which to be honest is a real note that that's not just him being a dick. That's him watching her and being like, hey, I know you want this. This is going to prevent you from getting there. I also think it's an acknowledgement that she is good enough to get recruited. She just needs to Absolutely. keep her anger in check or whatever. But she also comes back at him with what I think is also very accurate criticism of you get different treatment. Absolutely. And as a woman, if I react the way you react, I am penalized more than you. It's 100% true. It's 100% true. And so they have this very nuanced and good conversation about where they're both at and her temper on the court. And at the end of it, she says, I didn't know you cared so much. So it's basically this acknowledgement of like, I didn't know you cared so much about who I was dating. I didn't know you cared so much about how I play. Yeah. So it's kind of like he hasn't fully admitted it yet, but very much I think this is a both people have feelings haven't admitted yet. This just reminds me of that. Um, I can't remember who it was, but there was this soccer, this female soccer player who, when they won a big match, she like took her shirt off. She was wearing a sports bra, yeah. but was yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. celebrating like every man who has done that same thing. And she oh, yeah. got like in a lot of trouble from like the football association. It was the Olympic team. It was, it was Brandy Chastain and she got in trouble. And, and again, how many male soccer players have done the same thing? And if I yeah. remember correctly, she had just scored like a penalty kick. Like it was like a overtime. It was the sort winning of goal. Yeah. It was like, it was like a huge thing. And and it was one of the first times I think the American soccer team had ever won. Yeah. It was like a huge moment. And then she got in trouble for doing this thing that literally any man who's ever played soccer who just won the game for their team has done. Yep. So like that shit is so common. I mean, it's probably yep. common in everything, not just sports, but mm -hmm. yeah. 
so they get home and he walks into his house. His mom has found an earring on his bed and she goes after him about it. <laughs> I like how we try to play it off. He's like, oh, that's your earring, mama. And she's like, I found <laughs> it on your bed. And he's like, we was just studying. <laughs> like, he's, like, he's like trying to slow walk it. Like, what can I get away with? And man, I did that so much. Not specifically about ear- earrings, but like anything I knew I was going to get in trouble for. And it never worked. Yeah, well, and she lectures him about, like, what I tell you about girls that are going to see you as dollar signs. Billie Jean is not my lover. Right. And this conversation hasn't aged great in the way that they seem to kind of describe these women. But I think the concept is still. Oh, you mean uh, look, look out for them hoes is not a uh, politically correct term for this. Uh... <laughs> I, I think it should be more have conversations about birth control and contraception frequently and readily <laughs> i think should be the conversation well there's the safe sex talk <laughs> yeah. and there's also a talk of like if you want to be with someone try to be with someone who genuinely likes you as yeah a yeah, yeah make sure that people actually care about you yeah uh, or put hot sauce in your condoms <laughs> <laughs> That legit happened. That did happen. And I'm on his side. Not me, man. I want a baby. Yeah, I know you do. But I feel like not respecting somebody's wishes when you use contraception. It's not okay when dudes take off the condom and don't tell a girl. It's also not okay when a girl steals a condom full of jizz. Not okay either way. Hot sauce away. Yeah, I feel like we can agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. But in that case's case, it was just a condom full of jizz and Cholula or some shit. Like (laughs) Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Tapatia or Frank's. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't know but I do love Franks I have Cholula and Franks In my cupboard right now We have Cholula and Franks as well Yeah Do you use it for a different thing? Hang on, hang on Yeah, what, of course I use yeah, it for well, different So things. what do you use Cholula for? What do you use Franks for? Talk to Cholula's me Cholula's for Mexican food And Franks is for like buffalo wings Yep, okay That checks out The only other thing I use Franks for That I don't use Cholula's for I mean buffalo wings obviously But also popcorn Put Franks on popcorn, baby It is so You're changing good. my life, Todd. Paige. Changing my life. Do you mix it with butter? Uh, well, popcorn typically, well, not all of them, but it has butter on it. Well, no, because he only eats 10 to 12 kernels of popcorn per serving. Unpopped, Mikey. I like the crunch. I feel like oh. the only way I could enhance this even more is if I got, you, you can get like pat blue cheese, like powdered blue cheese. Paige. And they also have ranch shakers. Fuck a ranch. Blue well, cheese I mean, all day. They have a lot of options. I didn't know you are like a gourmet popcorn maker. That's amazing. <sighs> this yeah. sounds so good. How much popcorn do you eat in a sitting? How many cups? I don't know. I never measured popcorn in cups, Mikey. You don't eat enough to measure in cups? You know what you eat? <laughs> Is skinny pop, you stupid bitch. Hey, skinny, skinny pop, pop is delicious. It is good. I do really like yeah. skinny pop, but I also like regular pop. I don't discriminate. <laughs> anyway, put Frank's on popcorn. It's delicious. Yeah, fuck. I'm going to try that. That does sound very good. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Follow me for other recipes. So uh, his mom finds the earring, gives him the lecture. She asks how the game went. And he's like still undefeated. And then my favorite is he stacks two pizza slices and then just takes a bite out of both of yeah. them. And I'm like, yes. That's some kid ass stuff I did as a kid, though. I don't, I don't believe, that. believe you. <laughs> yeah, don't believe that. Is it the same? When I did it as a kid, I just took one slice and folded it in half. Not the same. And then ate it like no, no. that. Is that not the same? And then you just told us last week you eat one slice. That is OK. I told you last week that I had four slices. You added the one slice i think for a joke and then like just believed your lie no that no, no. It's, it's from a couple <laughs> weeks ago where you true. bought pizza for friends and you only had one slice okay but what you're leaving out of that story is i had just eaten like an hour before that i don't believe 
Uh, how many, Mikey, how many pizza slices have you stacked and still taken a bite of? Oh, no, I eat them one at a time. Uh, like a, I will fold them if it's a New York style. But I mean, basically what you should say is, how many pizzas have you ate one at a time? <laughs> Not slices. Because I've definitely stacked three slices before. Oh, my God. Damn. And it was fucking delicious. I and bet I would it was. do it again in a second. That sounds good. Anyway, he stacks the pizza slices and she's like, where's your dad? And he said, oh, he'll be home later. And she literally goes off like, later when? Does he have a meeting at one in the morning? This is bullshit. This is the part of the movie where I started getting triggered. Yeah, I was like, oh, he cheating. Yeah. So we cut to Q is in his room and he can overhear them fighting like hardcore fighting yeah it's bad and so he gets up and he actually climbs out the window knocks on monica's window and she opens up and he crawls inside and falls asleep on the floor next to her in a way that suggests they've done this a lot yeah a lot so i love this scene but it makes me want to see that part of their relationship more because they're obviously when they're in high school he started doing this a lot because his parents are fighting a lot. At some point, they probably stood up and they, she probably sat up and talked with him about it. Yeah. You know, I, you know like, I, and it does a lot about like showing their relationship mm-hmm. without telling it. Yeah. But I feel like most of the scenes they, they argue in until they get together. But like, it would have been nice to see them like kind of maybe process this a little bit before he went to sleep, implying he's done it before. I, I feel like I didn't, I didn't need it, but only because this scene is so comfortable. It's so good. Yeah. Where like, she she doesn't even have to talk to him or ask him what's going on. She just automatically knows pillow to the ground, comforter to the ground. Yeah. And he's asleep on the floor, which to me suggested literally from the time that they're 11, his parents, we know were fighting back then, too. So, like, to me, it just suggested that all the time in between this has become their norm. So, like, they were childhood friends. And even though in high school, maybe they don't run in the same friend groups, this still exists as their norm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it implies that they're much closer than, like, their little couple scenes together. Imply. Yeah. I mean, also, they've probably been doing this or he's probably been sneaking over their sleep when his parents fight for, like, six years. Yeah, and it implies a closeness that we have only gotten peaks at. Yeah. Where when it seems like he's being a dick in high school and in that realm, we kind of give him a little bit of grace because we know what's going on at home now. Yeah. That makes sense. So we cut to uh, Lena, Monica's older sister, is braiding her hair and is telling her that she found her a date to the dance yeah and that it's a guy from her college and he agreed to go because she told him that monica looks like her yeah that is what happens in this movie that is what happens yeah and her sister basically is like you worry about your game worry about the recruiters there i'll handle the date so don't even think about any of this you just play basketball yeah so we cut to their championship game where her sister still knows the cheerleader dances, which I thought was kind of fun, where it definitely juxtaposed the two of them, where her sister clearly was more the cheerleader route. We cut to her playing the game. She's trying to play smart and play more controlled, and she seems like she's doing pretty well, and she does get to play. She doesn't get benched. I do feel like you do sort of see her pull back some when she would normally get in trouble for being like, I don't know, overly aggressive or whatever, you know? Yeah. And we do see her tie up the score, essentially. Um, and she's trying to make like one last point to basically seal the deal. And she fouls somebody. And it does seem like it's kind of a bad call where it was like, maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But regardless, it basically runs their time down. And now they have to make up a shot. Yeah. So she takes one last shot and misses and they lose 
the game. Yeah. And she basically comes back to the bench and cries. Like, as far as she's concerned, she's completely blown it. So we cut to her getting ready for the dance. And she's obviously kind of upset, but she is also gorgeous. Yeah. Has been the whole time, but especially. I do think it's so sweet that her mom's like, go in my drawer and get grandma's pearls. Yeah. And puts mm-hmm. them on uh, her youngest daughter, who like doesn't really feel like she's pretty or is mm-hmm. worthy of that sort of like adoration. So it was like a really sweet, touching moment between the two of them. I loved it. Well, and I love that she just says, "I want you to enjoy being beautiful because you are." Yeah, which is very sweet too. So we cut to the dance, and it is like full late eighties, early nineties, and it's a long dance sequence before we get into the scene. Like we hear almost the entirety of the song just got paid which is kind of great and i love that they are doing like 80s dance moves too because it's like oh man it looks like how i dance at weddings because i don't i'm you do terrible. not have this much rhythm there's no way oh no i actually do have <laughs> he's a drummer i do have rhythm page but i can't move and i'll be honest with you because drummers sit down and play unless you're john stamos i don't know how to dance from like my waist down i'm Mm. all shoulders uh i can i can (laughs) cut a rug decently mikey next time we're at a wedding together i want to see how you cut a rug you you get on mikey's shoulders he does the bottom (laughs) you do the top we put a big big coat coat. over yeah (laughs) Yeah, 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 we look like two adults trying to sneak into a movie they're like you guys could just get a ticket Um, you were both invited to jack reacher (laughs) (laughs) where will we find a tuxedo that will fit him and also allow him to fight crime (laughs) (laughs) but anyway i honestly do love dancing but i am terrible at it Anyway, back to this movie so we can just get through Can it. I talk about Silver Surfer now? Yes, because Q is there with Gabrielle Union, dressed like the Silver Surfer. Mikey, take it away. <laughs> He's got a very shiny silver shirt. Yes. And shiny silver pants. Silver pants? Yeah. But they're not the same kind of shiny. It's like two different kinds of shiny. No, it's a two-tone, two-tone silver surfer. There's tarnished and untarnished. <laughs> and when he when he dances, it like moves and shifts. It's very like silver surfer is the most accurate. Yeah, he's like all hail Galactus. Everybody <laughs> on the train, riding. He honestly looks like an optical illusion. Surfing the world. <laughs> but Gabrielle Union looks amazing. Gabrielle Union looks amazing. And we cut over to Monica, whose date, by the way, is Boris Kojo. They end up together in Brown Sugar later on. Really? Yeah. No shit. Okay. And he's a college dude and he goes to take her coat and she's clearly uncomfortable. She's kind of out of her element. She doesn't wear dresses often. She's got makeup and hair and everything done. But as soon as they take the coat off, Q notices her from across the dance floor and Silver surfs his way over to be like, I didn't realize you could be pretty. (laughs) He's so smooth. Well, uh, her date notices too. Yeah, her date notices as well, for sure. Is this the part where we have to talk about taking college dates to your senior stuff. Yeah, Paige. Let's unpack it. Okay. In my case. Let's talk trauma. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Paige, you took a college student to your high school prom. What is the age of consent in the state of California? I was 18, so it didn't matter. But we also did not have sex, so it doesn't matter. Um, I took a college, a college student to both homecoming and senior banquet that year. I was 18 for both, so, but also it doesn't matter. But he was somebody who went to school with us. So he was a year ahead of us and we were friends. So like we had been friends as junior and senior. 
And then he was at the local community college. So he also knew a bunch of my friends. So there was only a year between us. I was 18. He was 19. That to me is not weird at all. No, I don't. I didn't find it weird in the slightest, but I figured I was going to have to talk about it because this one's a little weirder. Well, this one's way different than that. Like, because Monica does not know this man. Yeah, he's a couple years older. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, I got the impression he was like a junior in college or whatever. He so. seemed pretty into going to a high school event like which it was, was something a little he weird for. yeah yeah it was a little troubling yeah. i think but they established that he's at least two years older than her probably maybe three she might be 18 in this scene i don't know i she didn't love be. it but yeah, whatever it's, it's the end of the year senior year if she was born anywhere before may she could very well be 18 in this scene yeah but he doesn't know her either yeah that's the part that's a little worse for me i'd feel better if it was like he's a family friend and he is in college or this is someone we went to high school with they were just a couple years older than us like more like your situation yeah like my situation yeah. but this is a stranger so it's a blind date and a blind date that is not related to any of the people that she knows necessarily and is three to two to three maybe even more years older than everyone else there so i didn't go to my senior prom actually why couldn't find a college student <laughs> <laughs> um i wasn't dating anybody at the time and i just didn't really want to go in fact my senior year i went to prom with one of my friends who lived in orlando You've never met her. She definitely exists. I met her at Disney World. I met her at a Disney camp. No, I mean, she was going to go with her. Like, I lived in Orlando as a kid, and I stayed friends with a bunch of my friends from when I like mm -hmm. was in school with them. And I was friends with a bunch of people, and they were all going to prom together. And her boyfriend had broke up with her like two weeks before prom. And I was going to be in town visiting my mom for the summer, like, because mm -hmm. I was coming down. My school was, they were on year round. I wasn't. So, yeah. like, I was just going to be in town anyway. And Terry was like, do you want to just go to prom? And I was like, sure. Yeah. So I went with Terry. I mean, we didn't date or anything. Like, Terry Hogan? No. <laughs> I don't want to say her full name. <laughs> He lives in Florida too. I know, but the second you said it, I could just picture bring her home by eleven, brother. <laughs> <laughs> do you hear that? That's the sound of my shotgun if you do anything untoward to my daughter, brother. But no, I did not go with Terry Hogan. <laughs> isn't isn't Terry the mom? <laughs> no, Terry Hogan oh, is oh, Terry Hogan. <laughs> That's what I was saying. <laughs> I thought Terry Hogan was his daughter too, Paige. No, no, his daughter's no, name is Brooke. 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 Okay, okay, my bad. Honestly, I love that better. It's me walking into prom with a guy who's like three times my size, who has long hair, but only from the sides because he's completely bald on top, but still wearing a prom dress. <laughs> Thanks for the corsage, brother. <laughs> and me looking exactly like the Silver Surfer. Do you think we're going to kiss in the limo? <laughs> he like pulls out a chair for you, but like swings it over his head and then like at the last minute unfolds it and you can sit on it. I'm honestly a little upset that I did not go to prom with Terry Hogan now. <laughs> Although I had a great time with the Terry that I went with. She was great. But Terry Hogan, I'm, I missed my opportunity. <laughs> oh, I had too much sushi. Oh, oh. That sushi. <laughs> you had to bring the Gawker sex tape into it, Mikey? Really? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> the only reason I know his name is Terry is from a workaholics episode where they pretend to be him on the phone and they're just listing off things that could be in a refrigerator. Just orange juice. Apple juice. What about my favorite cheese is provolone? 
<laughs> he also didn't correct me if i'm wrong hulk hogan got caught saying the n-word correct probably i don't know like, yes, in the sex i mean tape. in the sex tape is it in the sex tape yes what? it's a sex n-word tape is it <laughs> guys he, yes he maligned sushi and other races in the same tape oh my god i'm glad you didn't take him to prom he didn't deserve it <laughs> you know what you're right terry hogan does not deserve me no, you can do better, <laughs> Just like the main character. So tell us what happens next. That's a transition. Uh, what's it called? They're called segways, Mikey. Segways. Those things you ride and you lean forward. Yeah, like the guy who drove one off a cliff after inventing them. It wasn't the inventor. It was the primary investor. I met the inventor of the Segway. There he was. killed the primary investor <laughs> to get the most money. And that's how Terry Hogan would do it. I guess he's like, I guess I guess segue into an independent. <laughs> Not to derail this segue, but a fun fact that also is like theater adjacent. You know, the mm. uh, drink machines where you can select like your soda and then your flavors. Love them. One of my favorite things about mm -hmm. movie theaters. The same guy who invented the segue invented that. Oh, bless him. Because he also invented a way to, without using a lot of electricity, clean water that is very dirty oh. and he wanted the coca-cola corporation to send these machines like everywhere in the world that needs clean access to water and that was their deal they're like we will send these machines around to like these areas that need help if you'll invent a way to like do that soda jerk sort of machine his name's dean Kamen. he's a fucking fascinating person that is fascinating i literally have a picture of me shaking his hand and i'm like fanboying out because i'm such a fucking nerd but he was a really cool very nice guy he does sound like a better prom date <laughs> honestly i would take dean Kamen to prom yeah i would on righteous gemstones they have a machine like that but for gravy <laughs> and it's shaped like a chicken wing uh, or a drumstick <laughs> and you select which gravy flavors you want it's great <laughs> anyway back, back to this oh my uh, god so q is like oh my god you're pretty what and then her date shows up like here i am to creep and uh <laughs> yep so q kind of makes it his exit he goes back to dancing with gabrielle union and her date, Jason, is like, damn, I don't remember girls being as hot as you in high school. And I'm just like, OK, Matthew McConaughey, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you should not say shit like that, though, when you're at no, high school. But what, yeah. I actually do like what he says next, which is something that I, I feel like most high school boys would not have the wherewithal to say. And he only does because he's older. But he basically. I can buy you alcohol. No, but that, <laughs> that is not what he says. He says, I'm having a good time. I feel like you're not. What can I do to make you have a good time? Which I think is a very like a productive conversation to get somebody to loosen up as opposed to just being like, smile more, but being like, Ugh. what can I do to make this more fun? Smile more to me feels like an old guy creepy thing to say. Oh, yeah. It's uh, not when I good. get old, I'm saying it all the fucking time. I'm be like, hey, Todd, smile more. <laughs> I feel like you should do it, but only to like the dudes that you think would do it to women. Yes. <laughs> just, just be like, hey, Carl, smile more. <laughs> You'd look a lot prettier if you smiled. Honk, honk. <laughs> what were you honking in this mime? Like, what he were was you a trucker. Oh, okay. 
Okay, I was afraid you were honking something on Carl. I mean, women don't like to be honked against, like, without consenting, too. So if you want to honk at the same time to teach people a lesson, I ain't going to stop you. I like to make my <laughs> women honk first. A gentleman always makes sure his lady honks first. Yeah. <laughs> Paige can't with this Our, episode. She is head and hand giggling off my... <laughs> I just pictured, I pictured somebody coming and making the same noise as a goose. And you're like, uh, is this good or are you asking for bread? What is happening right now? Is, is this good or, or is this bad? There's an episode of Good Morning from Hell where they interview Mother Goose and they just use stock goose noises. Holy so like shit, they'll ask amazing. her a question like, what are you thinking? And she's just like, honk, honk, honk. And then they have somebody translate like, honk, 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 honkity honk. I love it. Priceless. Yeah. Anyway, so... They end up dancing. Q and his date end up dancing. And they're like, I fucking each other over their date shoulders. Like it is on. Super on. Yeah. Silver Surfer is here to surf into your heart. And vagina because they have Mm, sex tonight. Mm. They do. Yeah. Return of Galact. (laughs) (laughs) I do think it's funny that like they're on dates with other people, but end up hooking up with each other on prom night. Love it. Or it's not prom, is it? It's some other dance. Some dance. I think they call it spring formal, which is prom, right? I don't know. That's prom. We yeah. ours was spring formal because we did it. There was no dancing, so it wasn't prom. Uh okay. Uh, there was dancing here because the mm-hmm. silver server is like, yo, this DJ's lit. It, honestly, he was. Though. I know. It was a great, great. Prom. I mean, late '80s was a good time for music. It was indeed. Yeah. So we cut to back at their house. She gets home. She creeps in through her window. Her mom's already asleep in the living room. She takes her hair out, and on her desk, there's a letter from USC, but she hasn't opened it yet. So she looks across and sees that he's just gotten home to his bedroom and beckons him over. She climbs out. He climbs out. Yeah. And she's like, well, where did you go? Where did you go? We find out that she went to Mulholland Drive and he tried to fool around in the car. And she wasn't into it and need him in the balls. It seems like she needed him in the balls a bunch because she was like, a bunch. after he got mad about me kneeing him in the crotch a bunch, he took me home. Yeah, exactly. And then. Uh, We find out that Q just dropped Gabrielle Union off at home. Yeah. Like, didn't even try anything. And we knew what she had offered. So, like, he turned down. We did. And he was like, no, thank you. Yeah. So, she shows him the letter. She has him open it. And we find out that she got recruited to USC. She's going to USC. And he tells her the press conference hasn't happened yet. But he's going also. Yeah. So they're both going to go together. And he goes in to hug her and she turns and kisses him. Yeah, like she initiates the kiss, which I thought was she does. cool. Love like, it. Yeah, it's usually yeah. not that way. And I was like, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And then he like backs up. He's like, what? He's like, what? what is happening right now? And she's like, it's happening. And he's like, finally. <laughs> I surfed into this situation and I will surf <laughs> us out. Yeah. <laughs> I am the devourer of a thousand worlds. <laughs> and I got one thing to devour here. <laughs> Lots of practice. (laughs) So they end up making out on the grass. I got very worried because her dress is white and she's going to get grass stains. And she pushes him off. And it almost seems like she has this moment of like, oh, I regret doing this. Yeah. Get off. But instead, she stands up and walks back towards her room and says, come on. Yeah. So it's clear, like, we're going to do this. I'm I'm consenting. I'm asking you. Follow me. Let's do it. And of course he does because, you know, he's in high school and she's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Yeah. I do really like this sex scene, though, because it is slow and awkward. I was 
nervous at first because yeah. of the music and the way they're setting it up. I was like, is this going to be like a like a lot of positions montage of underage people <laughs> having sex? It's not. I, and then I texted y'all because I was like, I feel weird. I'm feeling weird. Yeah. Yeah. But then it wasn't. And then it was really awkward and like was a really good example of like, hey, let's have safe sex. Yeah. I was going to call that out because it seems. Condom use. Yeah. Yeah. They, sh- they, they show him grabbing a condom and putting like not putting it on, but like opening the wrapper. And like, I really like that. That seems very unusual for like a rom-com. You never see that. But on top of that, so the condom happens, then he starts and we clearly see on her face that it hurts. And then he immediately says, do you want me to stop? Like he pauses, checks in with her and she says, no, keep going. And they do. And I was just like, you could not write a better sex scene, (laughs) essentially like a more consent based sex scene than this one. It's really refreshing where like she initiates this. Yes. And not in like a a jokey way or for a bit. She's not pressured. She she does it again, not a bit. She does it genuinely with someone that she knows and cares about a lot. And it is a very respectful encounter is what I would say. So my question to Todd is like, what was was Terry Hogan like this? (laughs) Honestly, because of the sushi intake, the performance was not great. No. (laughs) I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have not seen that sex tape, Mikey. (laughs) <laughs> she go for a sushi roll in the hay that, I mean honestly <sighs> Mikey I haven't had sushi since that night Your touch was real gentle brother <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want me to stop Terry? <laughs> I'm gonna need you to count it out One <laughs> Two Three Well we didn't actually have sex Terry tapped out that night <laughs> Oh my voice is gonna be Horse AF. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. He told me we were just going to Greco Roman wrestle like they did back in the day. I didn't realize that meant completely naked and like oiled up. But... <laughs> Full penetration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Greek toss salad. Oh. What is that oh. saying? It's where you lick someone's butt, but then you put a little cube of feta in it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, no, no, no. one in the hand is worth two in the bush. No, there's a saying about Greeks. When in Rome. <laughs> you know, Rome is not in Greece, right, Mikey? <laughs> <laughs> it's something I'm probably butchering the quote But it's something like The Greek taught Romans about sex The Romans taught the world You could have it with women Ooh. Oh that's funny. I thought that was a really funny quote I don't even know where I heard that But I know it didn't Sick make it burn, up Sick burn ancient Rome <laughs> Sick burn Socrates <laughs> oh. Cool So do you want to get back to this movie That does not have Greek people Nor Hulk Hogan in it It's a me A Terry Hogan <laughs> Why is he Mario now? <laughs> the Greeks are taught as a sex. I'm a gonna wanna meet a ball of brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's a one of spicy meatball, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to the third quarter, which is the years, the one year, 88 to 89. Yeah. So they are in college. They're freshmen. We cut to Monica at practice and she's struggling to keep up. Uh, and the coach is being kind of hard on her. Yeah. And so are her other teammates. She's not having a great time. And we cut to her hanging out with him at school. They're clearly kind of like still together. And a girl comes up and talks to him because he's playing college ball. He's starting as a freshman. And he's like, oh, she's just a fan. I can't help it if girls come up to me, which is kind of like, I mean, you can't. So you can't control a girl randomly coming up to you, right? But you can control how you act to that, right? And I do feel like he had nothing to do with the girl coming up to him, but he was leaning into it a little bit more than he needed to. He's leaning. 
as as they say in while you were sleeping leaning now i'm just picturing terry hogan as the idiot guy who thought he was dating sandra bullock in that you blew me off for the ice capades brother (laughs) (laughs) let's go try on some more shoes Todd, did he take you out on his boat, Thunder in Paradise? <laughs> did Mikey, you just Google what his boat's name was? No, Mikey, I used to watch that show. <laughs> I'm not even joking. That show was next level terrible. That show was amazing. You shut your mouth. The house of, is House of Hogan? It's Hulk Hogan in a boat that's like Airwolf, but it's a boat and it's Hulk Hogan. But it's not a it's not a reality show. It is like a scripted TV drama. The boat has guns on it, and he's a mercenary. <laughs> it's a stealth boat. What? <laughs> I've never heard of this. We've been recording for an hour and a half and we're halfway through this movie. I know. Welcome to a normal recording. Let me get through the important stuff. You have to learn about Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> Okay, I'm also questioning why we're talking about Hulk Hogan so much in Black History Month. Noted racist Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Because I mentioned I went to a prom with a girl named Terry and Mikey's first reaction was that must have been Terry Hogan dressed as a woman. Can I just show you a picture of the Terry I went to prom with? Hang on. If you don't pull up a picture of Hulk Hogan. I'm going to pull up a picture of Hulk Hogan. Hang on. All right. Full disclosure. I did Google Hulk Hogan and address and nothing came up. So I don't have anything to show you, but that was going to be very funny for me. Actually, I have something for you guys. Oh, no. If I could share my screen here. Yeah. Let me turn that on for you, buddy. (laughs) Now that's from Mr. Nanny or whatever. I I love how the URL literally ends in Hulk Hogan serial killer. killer. (laughs) He's dancing in like a tutu with a child. But have you heard about his charity work? (laughs) Here it is. Thunder in Paradise, baby. (laughs) That's insane. Why a reboot (laughs) could work? (laughs) This episode is off the track. Fuck this. All right, we've got to stop this we got to get back to the movie, which is a really good movie that we're sullying with Hulk Hogan discussion. Oh, we shouldn't have had that sushi before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> it's hit me wrong. Uh, I will say, and you can edit this out. I won't. <laughs> I'm not going to defend <laughs> Terry Hogan for what happened in that sex tape, but Joe Rogan has said way worse stuff. I wouldn't defend him one either, instant. but their names rhyme. And I think there's something like, I don't know if anyone's asking questions about this, but they should. <laughs> have anybody seen them in the same place at the same time? No, I have seen Joe Rogan in person and he is short, but like, I've never seen Hulk Hogan though. I have on prom night. Did his dick wear a boa? (laughs) I don't even know how you make an episode out of this. Mikey, I'm very good at what I do. Yeah, you are. I'm literally Googling right now, is Thunder in Paradise a rom-com? No. Is it a movie or a TV show? It's both. It's both. (laughs) There's two movies and a TV show. No. I don't know if you heard about this, but in the 80s and early 90s, there was a situation around America, and it was called called cocaine. Hulkamania. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I thought it was cocaine. My vote was for cocaine, so sure, 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 sure. I mean, that did not play a small part in Hulkamania. Hulkane, if you will. (laughs) They wanted the Hulk. In bulk. Oh, wow. Uncut Hulk. 
No, it was cut. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Todd. We've okay. We've got to get back on track. Okay. I have a sad story about my life. I'm going to tell in the third quarter. We're gonna we're gonna bring it back. We're around. in the third quarter. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, he he kind of tackles her onto the lawn, and they end up kissing. Like it's clear that they're like together. Yeah, they're college sweethearts. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut back to. She's at practice again, and she's really struggling, but kind of gets a hand on defense, shoots, scores, and then poses for a second. And as she does, they score another basket. And so the coach makes her stand in that pose for the rest of practice. Which is hilarious. That's a great punishment. Yeah, it Never is. do it again. <laughs> her yeah. basketball coach reminded me a lot of my drum instructor when I was in high school. J.K. Simmons? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was he like? <laughs> her name was Mrs. D. My drum instructor was a woman. She was the best drummer I've ever seen in real life. Mm. And she was mean, but in like a well-meaning way. Not I mean, mm. it's probably not correct. She was like stern. Yeah. You know? Th- and that's kind of this coach too. And yeah. we find out why in a little bit yeah but yeah that part really i was like oh this is mrs d did you show her mr d (laughs) no miss so mr d teaches percussion at mtsu and she taught at high schools around nashville i'm sorry hulk hogan's the only one allowed to see mr d (laughs) 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 those are the rules of prom (laughs) anyway so she gets to the locker room after practice and the rest of her team is just like yo what like that was a rough practice and the girl that she was trying to guard when she scored and then posed tells her they were done recruiting they didn't want to recruit you the only reason they did is because another girl got pregnant and decided not to go to school just thought you should know yeah so basically like you know, you almost didn't have your spot here. Yeah, that's Sid. She's the starting point guard when the season starts, um, Monica's right. freshman year. And is she's very concerned about losing her starting spot to Monica. So she's like being yeah. real mean to her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we cut to the dorm room where she and Q are icing each other's various injuries from playing. I thought that was super cute. Very cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, his roommates are ordering wings. They decide not to. In fact, they lock the door and they play one-on-one, strip one-on-one, yeah. basically. And he claims that he lets her win so he can get naked. But in reality, it was pretty even, I would say. I do love that he is like losing. And then as yeah. she scores the last point, so he has to like completely derobe or disrobe. Yep. She says, where's the D? And he's like, right here. Yep. <laughs> that to me is something that Mikey would say. I just said it. (laughs) So we cut to a TV report that's basically reporting on USC's college basketball teams kind of coming into prominence and becoming basketball powerhouses. Yeah. And they mentioned the men's basketball team having freshmen, existing starters, really high hopes for that team. And then they talk about the girls team where they're like, eh, they've got some returning starters. Their freshman class is not that interesting. Somebody would have to have a breakout season for it to be remarkable. Yeah. So we start to see a montage of her games and his games and her practices and his practices. And the differences between the two are palpable because you see his games in like an arena with crowds and it's a big deal. Yeah. And her games are like in the gym 
They look sort of like a high school gym still, right? Yeah. It probably has a little bit more people than a high school gym, but not like a lot more. And that's compared to like these 25,000 seat arenas that are like packed for his games, right? Yeah, exactly. And she's playing hard in practice. She's practicing outside of practice time. She is actively trying to get better. Yeah. She is actively working on her skills. Uh, We cut to after one of Q's games, he goes to a bar with his dad And this is where his dad is like, hey, I understand that you're doing really well and that you might want to go pro soon, but you should stay in school, try and finish and then go to the NBA because the sooner you go pro, the sooner you're going to have to deal with what I'm dealing with right now, which is a paternity suit. Yeah. And he tells him, I'm not the father. There's no way I could be. I would never do that to your mom. He fully lies to him. Yeah. Which, I mean, we all know even in this moment that he's lying just because we've seen the meetings and all that stuff. Right. But yeah. Yep. Uh, We cut to the girls game where the starting point guard falls and fucks up her leg. Yeah. We cut to Q's mom's house or Q's parents' house where he goes home and finds his mom sitting by the pool drinking and crying and she has an envelope and he kind of confronts her about the paternity suit because his dad says, I told your mom. So like she already knows basically. And he says, well, the truth's bound to come out. Like we'll find out that it's not his kid. And she's like, so whose truth are you talking about? You believe him? And she pulled out photos that she had basically had taken by a private investigator who caught him cheating. So, I mean, it may still not be his kid. I'm not sure if that's ever officially answered, but he was still cheating. Yeah, that never comes out. I mean, because ultimately it doesn't matter because he was still cheating. Yeah, he was still cheating. But from this point forward, I was like overly connecting with this movie because when I was in high school, I was going to a soccer tournament. Now, this is usually a story I save for like people who are very close to me, but I'm trying to be more vulnerable. Mm. Um, was going to a soccer tournament and we were pulled over and got a speeding ticket and then he we stopped and he made a phone call on a pay phone and told that story and then said it was mom and that he was telling her that we got his ticket or whatever so then we go to the hotel and check in and he I talked to mom then he talks to mom and he tells the story again uh, to her so Mm. then at that point forward I got suspicious because he told the same story and told you it was mom both times? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So either the first or second time, one of those phone calls. Was the first mom. time. The second time I talked to mom as like the phone handed Okay. Off. So yeah. you know it was your mom. So the first time yeah. it was definitely Terry Hogan on the phone. Or yeah. your, your mom unfortunately has early onset Alzheimer's or dementia. <laughs> well, I start at that point forward, I started snooping. <laughs> okay. And so I pretty much caught my dad in an affair at that point. Yeah. So like I'd like I listened into some phone calls. I like checked his email. Like I got really invasive. Did you use a keylogger or was it just like a regular sort of snooping in his email? Oh yeah, in two thousand and one <laughs> or two thousand. That, that's just like before emails even had passwords. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And like basically had all the evidence. Like I didn't tell my mom and I felt super guilty about it. She ended up throwing him out New Year's Eve that year anyway, because she had figured it all out or whatever. And she hired a private detective as well. Mm. And yeah. And it would just, I, I dealt with the same kind of anger and the issues of like you, your dad's supposed to be this person and he's training you to be this other person. And then like, won't not like lied straight face to me and things. It, it, it was a lot of the same issues. And at that point forward, I pushed a lot of people away and yeah. like didn't date a lot. And just a lot of the same stuff the Q goes through in them film dude when yeah. Q, i realize this is when he's uh hurt his knee uh when after he's playing professional ball but when his dad comes to see him in the hospital and he says why were you teaching me to be someone you couldn't be i was like yeah. fuck 
Like yeah. that hit me, man. I typed that line out yeah. into my notes. Fuck, I was like, man. oof, someone deserves a screenwriting Oscar for this line alone. Yeah. Oh, I was like, oh, someone's dad. He totally, he totally lived this. Yeah. Well, it's a she. It was written and directed oh. by a woman. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think I think it was really well done. And I didn't have the exact same experience that you did, Mikey, but because I was way, way, way younger, and I I did not know about it until after my dad passed away because no one told me. I remember when you told me about that. The, the woman reached out, right? Yeah. Ooh. So the lady, yeah. Paige, were you not on the podcast when no, this happened? No, I remember this. I, I remember you telling us this. I don't think it made the episode, but yeah, that's that's what happened. I think it was off mic. But. The lady didn't say it, but she messaged me and she said some weird things. And I asked my mom about it and she was like, oh yeah, that was the other woman. And I was like, fucking floored so like i I, I, did not experience it the way you did like i think the reason that what q says to his dad in that hospital scene the reason that hit me so hard is because my dad always told us that that was something you would never do and like then just to find out later after he's no longer with us that he did not live up to that own standard it was a shattering moment for me ours broke down in a lot of other ways with during the divorce and things like sure he, he did a lot of things that just gain that anger. The cheating was kind of the least of that. And I won't go into details on that, but like it took me a long time. We didn't talk a lot for years, just like this guy. And then, to, you know, came, he come into terms of like, you know, he still loves me and he might not be the father that I wanted, but he's still my father. And like, he's still, there's still a lot of things that can be good in that relationship. If you like build on it, uh, he won't be that person, but he is a person that, you know, so you have to come to terms with that. I, I just held on to a lot of anger and it took a lot of self-reflection and therapy to move through that. And then yeah. I was not dating because I thought I would hurt m- uh, my future wife or kids like that mm-hmm. with the, the constant cheating and then the other stuff. So I, I never let anybody close until like a few times that I actually love somebody. I was like, okay, I think I can do this because I, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think I'm like, I love like that. But mm. that's my story there. But man, therapy was super helpful for me. And I'm sure it was for you too, Mikey. Like mm-hmm. that, yeah, like going and like talking to someone who is like good at dealing or helping someone process that sort of like specific thing is very, very helpful. Yeah, I was didn't remember this part of the movie. So I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, emotions. This is your truckosaurus, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still can't believe that lady contacted you, Todd. I feel like that's so wildly inappropriate. I totally whatever. plan on doing that in like 30 years. Paige, I was really young. Like my parents got divorced when yeah. I was four. Uh-huh. So I knew her from my childhood. Like, yeah, but I, I was just so young. I had no idea. Well, no, I know. But that's why I think it's so weird that she contacted. It's like you didn't need to know. Like this was not a need to know situation. Well, and, and in all fairness, she didn't tell me the only reason i asked is because like i'm not an idiot and some of the things she said seemed interesting for someone yeah. who was just a friend that's when i was like i call i literally called my mom and uh mm. had a very weird unexpected conversation although i come to find out that i'm like the only one who didn't know in my family which also sort of felt weird and i didn't love it yeah oh because you're the youngest yeah, because I, I was so young, I don't really remember my parents being married. Like, I would sort of mm. do, but, like, I was three when they separated, four when they were divorced. So, like, I have very, very few memories, and they weren't good, of my mom and mm. dad married. N- and no one really talked about that time, you know? Mm. And so it, I just didn't know, which was wild. That is wild. Yeah. Anyway, so he's having trouble reconciling <laughs> this, understandably. <laughs> he didn't have a podcast where he could just go talk about it. Right? He didn't have... <laughs> Hulk Hogan's shoulder to cry on. Uh, yeah. 
A lot of people listen. A problematic amount of people listen. <laughs> well, hopefully these traumatic stories from Mikey and Maya's life help on some level. I hope so. If for no other th- reason than to go get therapy. Yeah. I definitely think it'll balance out the amount of Hulk Hogan we've accidentally put in this episode. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I almost want to do a disclaimer. Listen up, brother. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Hulk Hogan in this episode Which is inappropriate no. From the top to bottom <laughs> If you're triggered by celebrity sex tapes Shrimp or proms Don't listen Or racism <laughs> Yeah. Anyway So Q is struggling with his relationship with his father Because his father has lied to him And he's just learning that Yeah. And he remarks in this scene He's like he lied to me like it was nothing so the idea that it was easy for his dad to lie meant that this wasn't the first time. Well, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, he's been having a lot yeah, of quote-unquote oh, quote meetings. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's talking to Monica about it. And Monica looks at the clock and she's like, I have a curfew. I have to go in. Let's go back to my dorm. Like, let's find a way so I can meet this curfew. And he kind of, he doesn't want to go to her dorm. He literally says, like, I should be alone anyway, which is like, that's not what she's saying. I was so mad that... He sort of sees this as her not being there for him. And all she wanted to do was like, can we change the venue so I can honor the curfew and not get in trouble? The the one thing that made me mad with this movie is when in the fourth quarter, she apologizes about this again. Well, okay. When she apologizes in the fourth quarter, I didn't have as much of a problem with it because what she says is, I should have been there for you, but at the time I didn't understand how to be there for you and be what you needed, but also do what I needed to do. Yeah. So in her apology in the fourth quarter, she's not saying I should have given up on what I was doing to be there for you. She's saying I didn't understand how to balance that so that I could be available for that, but then also meet the commitments I had but what I wanted from him was also an apology of like I also yes. handled that bad yes well I think he doesn't he sort of say that he does yeah okay he, he does yeah. to a degree but I mean his is not as clear-cut and I will say I give him a little tiny bit of leeway in this scene just this where it's like he's going through a fucking lot like I understand but that's the thing when I'm emotional and like I need someone and they can't be there like I will act out like a child too I mean like when you're that upset that's how people yeah. work. We're just emotional children. Yeah. And so that's kind of the tricky part because there's a part of me that's like, she has stuff that she needs to do and one person's needs don't supersede another necessarily. Like you want to try and find a way to get everything done and sometimes it's not possible. But like, I think her version of it is correct of like, I didn't understand how to be there when you needed me, but also do what I needed to do. Anyway, so she leaves to go in for her curfew and she... We kind of get another montage of his game and her game. She starts and crushes it. She basically gets a redo of that championship game and wins. And he has a terrible game. And we cut to the locker room after her game where she's talking to some of the girls that are graduating about what they're going to do after and how they're going to play overseas and how they're going to miss playing in front of their family. And it's kind of lonely. And she gets called into the coach's office and the coach is basically like, I'm going to start you for the last couple games of this season. And she's like, why have you been so mean to me? And she's like, because I see potential in you. Worry if I'm if I don't say anything to you. Basically, like, yeah. I am hard on you because I know you can be great. So we cut to a party, basically celebrating the game. Q shows up. Monica's already there. And she kind of tries to connect with him, but he's already drunk and continues to drink. So he's not in a good place. And 
she's like, hey, I, I tried to find you, but you weren't here after the game. And like, yeah, I celebrated after the game, but then I came to find you or whatever. Yeah. And she sees Q talking to another girl and confronts him about it. And he's like, well, let's just leave. And she's like, okay, well, do you want to go talk about like what we were talking about yesterday? And he's like, no, I'm going to just crash. And she goes, okay, well, maybe I'll come by later. And he says, no, I've got curfew. Like he's throwing it back in her face. Yeah, it's real shitty. So he leaves the party, gets back to his dorm and his dad is there. And his dad is like, hey, I messed up. Uh, He does try to blame his mom and be like, well, she was 19 when she got pregnant, almost implying that she trapped him. Yeah. But this is where he gives the speech of like, in the NBA, there's 100 girls in the lobby. There's 20 more that got past security on your floor. And then there's one right outside your door every time. And the reason I didn't tell you is because I didn't want to see the look that you're giving me right now. And he then is like, well, since we're being honest, I'm going to drop out of school and go pro. I'm going to do the draft for the NBA. I'm not going to finish. I hate that speech, though, where he just takes all of the responsibility off of him. Like, how can I say no? People wanted to have sex with me. Yep, it's it's a not great way to be. It's a bad take. Yeah. Here's the thing. Not saying that it's not incredibly hard with that amount of temptation when you've got like hundreds of people throwing themselves at you. That's exhausting. I understand. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, you do still always have a choice, ideally, to say no. If you don't have a choice, then it's not your fault because that would be non-consenting. Every time there's like a celebrity thing like that my mom's like you think they're a sex addict i'm like no i no. think i think they're in a position where tons of people just want to ha- who are very attractive yeah. probably want to have sex with them then i was like it's hard to say no yeah but you yeah. should if you are in a committed relationship yeah. yeah so he basically says i can't let you do this and he throws back at him i thought the word can't isn't in a man's vocabulary which is something you used to say to him as a kid yeah uh, so his dad leaves. Meanwhile, we cut to another game where Monica starts again, does well. She goes to Q's place after and she's like, hey, you weren't at my game. Because remember, he always used to go to her games. Yeah. And he says, I'm sorry, I had a meeting with a guy, which is what his dad used to say. Yep. Yeah. And so she's telling him about the game. And then all of a sudden, the other girl shows up, the girl from the party the night before. And his response to his current girlfriend seeing this other girl to me was nuts. Yeah, because she's like, what's going on? He's like, oh, we're going to go get some food. Do you want to come? And she basically is just like, it's almost this like, what? Why are you even questioning this? And she's just like, no, I'm going to fucking leave. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, she handles it the way you should, which is like, oh, I guess we're broken up. So I'm leaving. Yep. And so he and Carrie leave. That's the other girl. And his friends laugh, which made me really angry. I was like, somebody should slap the teeth out of your mouth. (laughs) Unless they're like super high and don't fully grasp what's going on, which we have no indication to believe that. We have no indication to believe that. But that was such a bonkers reaction to watching that sad event that just took place. Guys, they were really into the Super Nintendo. Really into it. They didn't know (laughs) what was going on. I definitely had a situation one time where I showed up I surprised somebody that I really liked and they had a date there because I didn't. And mercifully, the bartender immediately realized what was going on and was like, I already closed out your tab. Just like, just go out the back door. (laughs) Like, and he got me out of there, basically. That person is a saint. Yeah. Saint. That's not what these friends do. (laughs) Uh, I feel like if you see someone in, in this situation, grace, kindness. That's what needs to happen. Yeah. Anyway, so she goes home to her like house, her parents' house. 
and uh, is trying to kind of talk to her mom. And her mom is just like, it's just a game. You get mad whenever you lose. So like shake it off. Well, and her mom assumes it is about a, a, a basketball game. Yeah. And it's not. No, it's not. So she goes back to campus. She sees him on the bench and he's like, can we talk? And she's like, talk to your new girlfriend. And he's like, well, she had time for me. And it's like, you don't get to just monopolize the other person in the relationship's complete time. Like, that's not how this works. Like, she also is a person with a life and desires and things to do. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. not how this works. And he basically is just like, well, too bad. And she says, hey, I've never asked you to choose between us and basketball. Like, I, why would I ask you to choose between that and being together? And he basically says, well, I'm not asking uh, for us to be together. Yeah. Like, I'm breaking up with you. I'm going through shit and it's clearly more than you have time for. So I'm entering the draft. I'm going pro. Peace out. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, I I honestly personally feel like it's a great decision for him to go pro if that's an option available to him, but he should have handled this situation much better. Yeah. Well, and and he's like, I'd like us to still be friends. And she's just like, no, (laughs) like this, what you just did is incredibly hurtful. (laughs) Like, no, thank you. (laughs) I honestly feel like even if he broke up under like good circumstances where it's just like, hey, this isn't working out. I'm so sorry. Like where it's like a good ish sort of breakup, it would still be hard to be friends with someone. It depends. It depends on why the breakup happened and how long you'd been together is what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so we cut to the fourth quarter, 1993, and we see Monica playing in Barcelona, Spain. She's not only playing in Barcelona, she's playing in the International Women's Basketball Association Championship game against Italy. Against Italy. Yes. Uh, and her formal rival, Sidra, is on the opposing Italian team. I loved that coach's pep talk. I, I so love it funny. Too. Jake was translating it behind my head. Oh, and does then he speak Spanish? Jake is fluent in Spanish. That's and so, awesome. Oh, is he? That's amazing. Handsome yeah. and smart. Oh, yes. You got a winner. But I, I, I caught some of it where I was like, okay, concentrate on defense. Monica will score many points. And then when she asked, she's like, what did they say? And he's like, basically just give the ball to you, which is the gist of what he says, essentially. I do love that. It's like a 30 second speech. And then she she's walks so over. Yeah. She's just yeah. tying her shoes the whole time. Yeah. Well, because yeah. she doesn't speak Spanish. And I love that. It's like a 30 second scene. She walks over to the other girl and who obviously speaks Spanish. And she's like, yeah, he just wants us to give you the ball. And he's like, she goes, oh, OK, cool. Great. <laughs> right. it's, it's very comedic to me. I thought it was funny. So after the game, she and Sidra go out for dinner, which I actually really like that, like, they kind of end up with a friendship at the end of this. Me too. I love it. Yeah. I mean, we don't see them come back together. So, like, the last time we saw them, they were sort of, not really Monica, but Sid did not like Monica. And I feel like after she got some clarity from being injured and probably going on and playing professionally herself in Italy, Mm -hmm. and then it's just a different relationship dynamic, right? So, like, now they're friends. I did not need an explanation for that, but I'm glad that we got this scene. Me too. And they have kind of a fun conversation about what their lives are like playing (laughs) overseas and kind of the drawbacks of doing it. Sid is getting some i loved it sid's having a great time good for her yeah so she asks if she ever thinks about going back but they realize that the alternative is just not playing because there's not a wnba yet yeah this is 93 wnba i looked it up because i didn't know but it was 96 when it started dang yeah so monica goes back to her apartment and is watching TV. I have some notes about it in Fun Facts, but it's very clear that she's very lonely. Even in this this nice apartment in this beautiful place. Anyway, so back at home, Q's dad is watching the NBA game from that bar that he took Q to. Yeah. And 
Q is now playing for the Lakers as a sub. So he's not starting, but he's on the team. Yeah. And they talk about him and they're like, he's moved around quite a bit. He's trying to make his name with the Lakers. He goes to dunk. It looks great. But he as he lands, he tears his ACL. Yeah. So we cut to the hospital where his dad's coming to visit and his mom is there. And she's like, yeah, it's not great. He tore his ACL. That's a career ending injury. Yeah. Like. Or it could be, at least. It's definitely questionable. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was a career-ending injury for Mikey. That's why he's not a pro football player right now. There you yeah. go. I, I, soccer was how I injured it. <laughs> yeah, football. Yeah, I said football, Mikey. <laughs> Idiot. Oh, F-U-T-B-O-L. Football. Yeah. So she also says that he won't want to see you, but he goes in anyway. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you've got a lot of other stuff going for you. If you want to play ball, play ball. You were better than even I was but you don't have to, you could do whatever. And this is where he says, why couldn't you be the man that you kept trying to make me? Fuck, that line super hit me, dude. I loved it. Crazy. I loved it. I also like that his dad acknowledges like, hey, you're a better ball player than me. And it's not necessarily because uh, of your skill. It's because you're smart and you can do yeah. anything. Like, Well, his dad wants him to have a better life than him. Yeah, and part of yeah. that was getting a college degree and not panicking at the end of his basketball career. Yeah. Absolutely. Agree. So we cut to the next morning. The nurse comes in with flowers. He's not not in bed he's in the bathroom and as he comes out of the bathroom monica comes to visit and she brought flowers and they have kind of just this conversation of like what have you been doing i've been playing in spain what are you doing back well i'm thinking of maybe not playing anymore it's just not fun for me anymore they're really just sort of like old friends catching up right yeah which i liked and then tyra banks had to come in and ruin it dressed like the receptionist from the powerpuff girls tyra banks (laughs) comes in well she's a flight uh, attendant Fly, and that's when they reveal that she's a stewardess later. I yeah. was just like, oh, that's why she had the matching red suit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so Tyra Banks comes in and this is his girlfriend or fiance, Kira. So Monica meets her for the first time and kind of quickly excuses herself. She clearly didn't know Kira existed. And I think she thought maybe she could rekindle something. I thought At so At least too. given by her reaction yeah. after. Yeah, 100%. But I mean, they hadn't talked in five years. And I think it's unrealistic to think that neither of them would date in that five years. Yeah. yeah. And there's no f- no social media back in the day when yeah. like, people were happy. Yeah. 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 And we know that she hasn't been dating anybody, at least the time she was in Barcelona, because she had that talk with Sid. That's not how you say yeah. it. Paige has to say it right. Barcelona. 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 Yeah. So we cut to the kitchen where... Alfre Woodard is prepping a pie crust in a bonkers way. Like, she. <laughs> I love that you have notes about the cooking in this movie. You pay attention to details. I don't even fathom to pay. I'm like, mm, they're in a kitchen. They're in a kitchen. But she, it's not pie crust dough. And you can clearly see it because it has stretch to it. And you don't want pie crust to stretch because that means it's got too much gluten. It's going to be tough. And she rolls it out and like rolls it out for most of this scene and then goes to put it in the pie plate. And it's just like not even close to the right size. Bonkers. Anyway, so she goes to talk to her mom. We find out that her sister is bringing the baby by later. So she's going to stay for a couple days to see the baby at, at minimum. And if you look in the kitchen on the fridge, there's one photo. There's nothing else on this fridge. One photo held up by two magnets. And it's just a picture of that baby so that she can go like <laughs> the baby's coming by later. Yeah. Um, very, very funny to me. Like there's very little that's not done impeccably in this movie. Yeah. And this was just the one thing where I was like, that's kind of hilarious about that fridge. Yeah. So she 
tells her that she went to go see Quincy, tells her that she's met the fiance and the her mom is like, oh, I met her. He can do better. Like she sucks. <laughs> and at, this kind of hits a nerve with Monica because she's just like, well, what do you want me to do about it? But like, there's nothing yeah. I can do. Like, what am I supposed to do? And her mom is like, decorum, buy them a wedding gift. Like, uh, what? Are, yeah. And they get into this deep conversation about how she doesn't think her mom stands up for herself and her goals. And her mom basically comes back with like, my goals have changed over time and you don't understand. Yeah. And it's a more complicated situation than that. And the things that have happened in my life have made me incredibly happy. Mm-hmm. And if I had gone after my goals in the way that I originally wanted, I would not have had that. So I'm grateful to have it. It's a very like tough conversation which comes right after a tough like this whole segment the whole fourth quarter is just sobbing yes crying the whole time by the time you get to the to the game you're just like i can't take anymore anymore. yeah this whole scene till pretty much the end i was crying on some level yeah and we cut to she goes to her room and she's kind of taking her you know posters down where she's like guess i'm not gonna do basketball anymore yeah and there's pictures of her and quincy when really she should be like i'm in my 20s i probably should take these posters out of my room (laughs) Uh, meanwhile he's at physical therapy trying to work his knee back she gets a job at her dad's bank and is kind of learning how that's going he's packing up his bedroom to move in with his fiance and he's kind of in his room looking across at her room and he sees that she's kind of coming home from work. She has to take her heels off to walk across the grass because heels and grass do not mix. Yeah, she literally gets her foot stuck. Have done. Yeah. And he approaches her and says, hey, Kira's out of town. So I'm hanging out with my mom. That's why I'm here. And she's like, how's the knee? And he's like, eh, it's, it's getting better. I can walk on it. And we find out that it's two weeks until the wedding. And he's like, I'm sorry we didn't invite you. (laughs) And she's like, no, I'm probably working. Don't worry about it. Also, she probably doesn't want to go anyway. Like, that's the vibe I got was I'm not going to come anyway. That's going to be terrible. Yeah. Um, But he does say, can I ask you something? You never told me why basketball wasn't fun anymore because I kind of feel that way, too. And I felt like I needed to play when I was trying to be like my dad, but I don't want to be like my dad. So maybe it's time that I did something different. I'm thinking of going back to school, Yeah, which is actually like, uh, I, I think a healthy way to approach that, if that makes sense, where it's like, instead of just pushing people away, maybe reevaluating the parts of your life that you weren't doing for you, you were doing to be like this other person, yeah. potentially. And he does say that Kira or Tyra hasn't heard about it yet. And she's probably going to say that that's just the pain meds talking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the implication is that she is largely there for the ball playing. Yeah. That, at least that's the vibe that I got. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm glad to know that I wasn't alone in that. I mean, they didn't really go into it into enough detail for me to feel not bad about them making out at the end of the movie. I mean, yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. But yeah, he kind of confronts her about like, y- you really liked basketball. So I don't understand why you gave it up. And so she doesn't answer. She goes inside. She talks to her mom and the baby. And her mom kind of pulls her aside and is like, I always admired the fight in you. And when I said that Q could do better, I meant you. And you're not me. So you don't have to do things the way I do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is kind of a a roundabout polite way to be like, get that dick. Like, go (laughs) get it. Like, I don't don't know if it's good advice or not. Uh, We want them to be together, but who knows? Anyway, so 
That night, she's tossing and turning. She gets up, climbs out her window, knocks on his window. He comes out and she's like, hey, uh, basketball's not fun anymore because we're not friends anymore. And I fucking love you. And you're getting married in two weeks and it fucking sucks. And he rightfully is like, you can't do this two weeks before a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. This is very not okay. And she's like, I would have done it two weeks, two weeks ago. And I was like, that's not much better. <laughs> yeah. The caterers have been paid. It's still, still too soon. Yeah, a little too soon. But at least she does tell him how she feels. Well, and she even sort of says that. She's like, it's better now than never, right? Yeah, yeah it, it, exactly. It, well, she says, better late than never, right? And he's like, no. <laughs> a, a great rebuttal to a line that people always use in movies. Yeah. And he's like, we broke up five years ago and we haven't really talked since. So like, it's inappropriate for for this. And she's like, the last time we played one-on-one, you let me win because you said you wanted to. So if you really don't want this, you will not let me win. And if I lose, I'll buy you a wedding present. And he kind of begrudgingly agrees to play her. I mean, he could have just gone back inside his window. He could have. Yeah. Uh, and so they're playing and she's leading three points. And But he's like rocking a knee brace. Like he's fresh yep. off surgery. Yeah. So those knee braces for me too, as well as Q, they're harder to play sports in than no brace. So I, I felt, I was like, yeah, take that brace off, bro. You got this. Yeah. And he does take it off and quickly makes up the difference. And they fight those last couple scores out because she tries to make a layup and misses. Yeah. And then he dunks for the final point and says, all's fair in love and basketball, right? Which is something that she said to him before. Yep. And she honors her deal. And so she backs up. She pulls out a blender. (laughs) Here's your toaster. (laughs) Here's your wine of the month. And she's crying, like visibly crying. It made me sob. I was so sad. I was sad too. And as she kind of starts to walk away, he just says double or nothing. And so she like runs back and they make out. And this is definitely still cheating and kind of fucked up but you also really want them to be together yeah. and tyra's gone i don't know she's working like she has at least a, they're not married yeah i mean at least they're not married sure she's working to put bags of peanuts on the table <laughs> <laughs> when he said double or nothing i was like god how many gifts does he want her to buy him <laughs> I, <laughs> I want a vitamix <laughs> and a kitchen aid no she don't she totally cheated because like as soon as he scored a point she's like oh, i gotta take my shirt off <laughs> yeah. and she definitely had been working out like she may have stopped basketball but like she was taking care of herself in a way that where she was like i feel comfortable that this will help the game yes and it did mikey and it did so they end up making out we cut to the future at an undisclosed time sometime after 1996 they should have said overtime overtime oh shit that would have been been great yeah Uh, but we know that at least it's after 1996 yeah because that's when the WNBA started i got the impression it was 96 Yeah, like this is one of the first games. Because they do say introducing your Los Angeles Sparks, which is the WNBA team. And they kind of introduce the team. And he's watching from the sidelines with their little girl. Yeah, with a baby. And she just looks so happy. Yeah, they both do. Yeah. Yeah. But also, did you know that there's uh, an after credit scene? I didn't know that. But I went to the bathroom right after and I walked back into my room and I was like, oh, wait. There's an after credit scene? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, I did not watch it. Can someone describe it to me? It, it's their baby girl 
making a basket on like a toy basketball like a fisher price net it's so freaking cute very sweet yeah and And that's that's the movie movie. so having seen the movie having talked about the movie what do you guys think about love and basketball loved it made me cry a lot it's great super good movie it really is great you know i i hold back the movies that i actually the romantic the romantic movies that i actually like right because you have a vulnerability problem yeah but there's that they're not as funny episodes. <laughs> They're not. You're right. Although this one was a very serious movie, but like we went deep on Hogan, and I think that's going to be yeah. hilarious. Yeah. We're good at finding the funny, Mikey, at Gawker's expense. Yeah, but I like this movie a lot. I mean, and I don't like basketball because I'm terrible at it. Same. I love playing it, though. I'm just not very good at it. I'll say this about movies from this time period. I was surprised at how good it was. Because I knew it came out in the year 2000 And so many movies We have watched from that time period Are so problematic And there's there's like a little bit of slut shaming In this which is not great But Mm. there's a lot in this movie That is like way ahead of its time Yeah I would say there's so much Good it outweighs The very small Pieces that I would change Yeah and honestly the slut shaming to me comes across more That she's insecure because she knows She likes him and she's jealous yeah Mikey Mm -hmm. Then then it actually is Like a good thing to slut shame which is What I think Mm -hmm. a lot of movies from this time Period sort of like try to say With their slut shaminess So I mean Mm -hmm. not that it's good But I do think this movie is so much Better than other movies from that time period I think this movie is very progressive especially I think it's progressive now Yeah it handles complex emotional issues. You have two complete characters. You have a male character and a female yeah. character who have their own struggles independently, and then they have their relationship together, like I said at the beginning. And I think it does such a fantastic job of weaving that out throughout like a 10-year period. And their own security within the relationship. Like, they are secure in themselves, regardless mm-hmm. of society's expectations for what to happen. And we know that in the end, where he is very happy on the sidelines with their kid, just as she is happy on the court. Yeah. Do you think he went back to professional basketball? I don't. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think he chooses something else. I think he went back to school. I mean, I, it doesn't really say. We only get a definite what is she doing now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he could pl- still play for the Lakers. He might have an office job at the Lakers. Like, it just is not discussed. But I like to think that he went back to school and is probably still in school at this point. Yeah, because it's only a couple years later. Yeah. yeah. And he only went to one year. So he, he has at least three years left, right? And yeah. I think he really got out of his dad's shadow. And then when he got all those dreams, I think he realized that those were maybe more of his dreams or that's not that's not what he really wants. Mm-hmm. He grew up to be a whole person of like, I want to have a relationship with a family. Yeah. And yeah. I want something more fulfilling. Anyway, do you think they're still together? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think they're still together. Same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely yep. think they are. Yeah. I think their daughter goes pro. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, we know she can ball. We see it at the very end of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. So Paige, you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Basketball fun, fun facts. facts. So their parents' houses are both work worth approximately five million dollars or more each. What? I'm so even sorry. back in the eighties, they would have been worth close to a million. Holy they're they're shit. huge. And it says that they go to Crenshaw High, which is actually kind of further south than those houses are. Okay. If you follow the trajectory he takes after the dance, it implies that they live in like the hills. Okay. But go to Crenshaw High, which doesn't fully match up, but I think the movie's just doing it, you know, for movie magic. It sort of makes sense. His dad's a professional basketball player and her dad is yeah. a bank man, like owner or whatever. Like, I don't know what he is, but high up at a bank. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 
they would have to be fairly wealthy because, and this is today numbers. So currently tuition at USC for your freshman year is $60,275 for your first year, depending on your living situation. Neither of them were paying that though. They both had scholarships. Well, we know they're on the team. We don't know that they had scholarships. Being on the team is not the same as having a scholarship. I mean, I kind of assumed that they had scholarships. I, one would assume yeah. Um, but that's what it costs to go to USC now. I applied to U- to USC a couple years after this movie came out when I was applying to colleges. And back then it was $51,000. Yeah, that's so, so crazy. So in 15 years, it has jumped 10 grand. Should have gone on the side door page. I did not have that kind of money. And I didn't even have money to go if I got in. My parents were like, you can get in and hang that acceptance letter on your wall, but we can't pay that. So, <laughs> like... Good fucking luck. Yeah. Uh, you didn't want to take out $200,000 in student loans to get a film degree, Paige? I did not. <laughs> That's probably a wise choice. I'm just going to say not. that. Yeah. So Spike Lee produced this movie. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and he believed that the female lead should have believable basketball skills. So Gina Prince Bythewood, who is the woman who wrote and directed this film. This is her first film, by the way. Wow. Like That's insane. I know. It's fucking good, too. Um, but she said in an interview that she, they looked at over 700 people for this part. Wow. Some of them actors, but most of them ball players and other people who had never acted. So they would try actively to find athletes that they could do that could act in this role. Right. And it finally came down to Sanaa Lathan and a woman named Nisha Butler, who was a star player at Georgia Tech at the time. And what they essentially did was they put Sanaa Lathan with a basketball coach for two months and Nisha with an acting coach and then had them audition again and then ultimately gave it to Sanaa Lathan. They went one on one. (laughs) They went one on one. Um, But Sanaa Lathan has gone on record as saying that her initial basketball tryout was terrible because she'd never really played before. So she trained extensively extensively to play and she's really proud of how it looks in the movie because it looks like she's amazing it it does it looks very believable it looks very believable um but she had didn't have experience before that so alfred woodard has actually played sanaa lathan's mother in three different films (laughs) love and basketball (laughs) we've done two of them something yes we've done two of them something new that is also one that we watched and the family that prays that we will probably eventually do (laughs) (laughs) we can probably three-peat this i've heard that's good i've actually heard that's good as well uh after playing the smooth talking like cheater player in waiting to exhale which we will also probably do uh dennis haysbert didn't want to take this role because he didn't want to get like typecast as a cheater Mm, and the only reason he took it is because he saw the emphasis that it was going to be on the father-son relationship and trying to repair that relationship and he felt like that was something that was very accessible and so that's why he takes the role he's great in it too yeah he's amazing very good Mm -hmm. gina prince bythewood's script sparked a bidding war after a reading at the Sundance Institute. So if you're familiar with the Sundance Film Festival, there's something called the Sundance Institute that actually helps to try and shepherd some of the less well-known independent films into the Sundance Film Festival. If you watch the credits, there's a special thanks to the Sundance Film Institute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they'll actually partner with film schools too to try and get students in. Um, But they also do staged readings of screenplays. So they did a staged reading of this screenplay at the Sundance Institute and then people bid on it and Spike Lee's production company, 40 Acres and a Mule, fought for it and won to release this movie. Yeah. Um, 
which this movie is so well done. I'm glad that all of this came together to make this movie because yeah, it's yeah. great. Uh, this movie has been on Entertainment Weekly's list of the 50 best movies you've never seen uh, back in 2012. Okay. And it is now part of the Criterion Collection. No so, shit. Yeah. That's awesome. It's it's really good. It's really good. Uh, Monica Calhoun, Regina Hall, and Sanaa Lathan, who are some of the girls from the high school section and the college section, uh, would all end up starring together in Best Man and Best Man Holiday, also movies we will probably do on this show. Um, and I mentioned that she and Boris Kojo end up together in Brown Sugar two years later. Yeah. Uh, but finally, in the scene where Monica is living in Spain, she's watching an episode of Family Matters in which Sanaa Lathan starred on that episode what? in 1997. That's funny. So it's it's an anachronistic episode because it didn't air till 1997 and the movie is 1993. Yeah. You only see a section of it. But they put that episode in because it's the one that Sanaa Lathan was in. And... Those are your fun facts. Thanks. Well, thank you for those fun facts. Let's talk some box office. So what do you think the production budget for Love and Basketball was in the year 2000? I think this actually probably has a substantial budget because they do a lot. Um, but in the year 2000, I'm going to say 20 mil. Okay. I'm going to say 12. Okay, Mikey, you're a little bit closer. Uh, it was $15 million, although if you adjust that for inflation, that's actually $24.2 million today. But in the year 2000, it was $15 million. Now, this movie came out on April 21st, 2000, and it was number two in the box office the weekend it came out. It was beat by U571. Of course, it was number two. Rules of Engagement was number three. 28 Days, which is a movie we've done for the Horror Virgin, was number four. Yes. And Keeping the Faith, which is a movie I'm probably going to make you guys do, was number five. No, 28 Days Later, we did. 28 Days is a Sandra Bullock film about yes. her going to rehab. Oh, shit. That's correct. <laughs> so it's probably a rom-com that we'll do on this podcast. No, yeah. it is not. Oh, is it not? Oh, no. Mm -mm. Anytime someone mentions Sandra Bullock in a movie, I'm like, oh, that's probably a rom-com. Or it's That's why people didn't like it. It wasn't a rom-com. It was more about like a addiction and recovery fair enough okay uh either way uh so love and basketball was number two that weekend again that was the weekend of april 21st 2000 so what do you think it brought in in its first weekend at the box office seven no i'm gonna say 10 you guys are on either side of it it was 8.1 million dollars at the box office in its opening weekend which is not bad uh it was then in the theaters for another 17 weeks wow so what do you think it brought in domestically in the box office? And uh, although I do want to keep in mind because the amount of time it was in the theaters makes it seem like it would be a lot of money. And remember that Paige says it was on the list of movies you've never seen. Yeah, I'm going to say 35 million. Okay, Paige, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to say 40. Okay, so it brought in $27 million. 27.4 domestically. It got a very, very limited international release and it brought in an, another $268,000 for a total of 27.7 million dollars and if you adjust that for inflation that's about 44 almost 45 million dollars today you know what makes me mad is that the breakup got like a hundred million dollars and this movie is so much infinitely better than the breakup way I, I think this movie is smarter <laughs> it treats its audience with respect its characters with respect 
Things that romantic movies just aren't good at. This is a genuinely good movie. When they're like, it's one of the 50 best movies you've never seen. They're absolutely right. It is a phenomenally good movie. Yeah. And it deserves the amount of money the breakup got. Because that movie is trash. It is trash. But to correct you, the breakup Don't. made $205 million. Oh, yeah. It hurts. So that's your box office. So this week, Mikey made us watch Love and Basketball. Paige, what are you making us watch next week? Next week, we are watching something that I keep meaning to make us watch and keep forgetting about, how Stella got her groove back. Nice. This is Tay Diggs, right? Angela Bassett and Tay Diggs. So your homework for next week is to talk to close personal friend Tay Diggs and get him to come over and watch how Stella got her groove back. Yes. I really like Tay Diggs. I don't know what it is. Honestly, like, he's never done better than the movie Equilibrium, but we'll talk about that later. I love Equilibrium. Thank oh. you! Mikey, I thought I was alone! It's better than The Matrix. Came out the yes, same year. It is. Thank you. So do you have a review for us to read? No, I don't. I'm not doing well at podcasting today. Just today? That's why I'm the talent. <laughs> <laughs> Paige, we know. <laughs> so, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? Joe, but not Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, he says, fantastic podcast. Okay. Please read in a JFK impersonation voice. <laughs> I can't wait to see how this is going to play out. <laughs> Absolutely love this podcast. <laughs> uh, I followed over the horror virgin and was floored. <laughs> I used to <laughs> I used to think Remember me Was a sweet tearjerker <laughs> Now I am fully on Mikey's side Screw that movie Their advice and conversation <laughs> Surrounding dating is very helpful For anyone in, out Or getting over a relationship also remember that Pierce Brosnan did 9-11. Yeah. So there, there are a few important takeaways. Pierce Brosnan did 9-11, like Paige says. Also, yep. don't listen to us for dating. Listen to Paige for dating advice. Don't listen yeah, to Mikey and I for scary. dating advice. Yeah. No, I'm the last person. I definitely think you're the last, but I'm like second to Ask last. Ask not what your podcast <laughs> host can do for you. <laughs> Wait, does it say that? No, I'm making oh. this up. <laughs> Small suggestion, love and other drugs, which I like that movie. Um, that movie gets me every time. Five stars. I feel like I didn't do terrible at the JFK. Honestly, I thought he was back with us. <laughs> I am actually JFK. You can ask Q about that. Yay. <laughs> but Quincy from this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just text Omar Epps and be like, yo, is this random white guy from Tennessee Q? And he's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> so Joe, but not Rogan, thank you so much for the awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your review, leave us a five-star review. So um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on, but Paige... Gets around and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So, guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok. 
except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a PO box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a PO box, it's actually not a PO box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's, 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. All's fair in love and basketball. <laughs> Toodle pip. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Double or nothing, nerds. La, 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 la.